Let's let's do this. Then. <clears throat> let's think of a suitable way to intro the show. I might rape. say hi, rape. <laughs> <laughs> It's This Week in Sleaze with your hosts, King Who and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. And hello, that was the dong, and that means the show has started. Little gong has, means that we're starting now, and we're... Uh, we're we're back, and we in this case is Measley's K, and uh, and with me is uh, the the great Lord Joshua Regal, who on Twitter uh, I, I saw a demand by someone uh, that uh, you are not to be you cannot use your British accent again. But what that means to me <laughs> is that they want more of it, obviously. Yes, yes, uh, <laughs> the great Lord is back. <laughs> pirate, <laughs> our, our, our in-house pirate at the podcast on Fire Network. You know, I read between the lines, you know, when someone says, I, I, never, ever, never use it again, never say it again, never do it, never again. Mm-hmm. Many times again, I, exactly. I hear and I read. So, uh, da- Dan Ernie, Dan Ernie, I'm looking at you. you you're going to uh, uh, you're gonna have to live with that accent, even if it's only for a minute or two during each <laughs> this week's lease. Uh. Uh, but, uh, okay, um... Uh, before we launch into it, let's be a little bit serious. I mean, what we're doing, if you haven't read the episode title, is uh, this is our continued Rape by an Angel coverage with uh, movie reviews and discussion about Rape by an Angel 2, the uniform fam. Fan? Uh, fam would almost mean like it would be a uniform <laughs> family. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, you're gonna be raped. <laughs> and uh, Rape by an Angel 3, sexual fantasy of the chief executive. Uh, now that's that's controversy in a in a movie already at the title stage there, uh, but uh, we'll we'll be talking of that extensively. And, uh, I, I wanted to be a bit serious. We we had a, a bit of a conversation uh, behind the scenes about uh, the fact that we're thinking that it's going well. I mean, mm-hmm. now three four shows in with you and me, it's uh, I, I never doubted that it you know would. Uh, that it would would be a catastrophe in the making or anything, but I'm I'm glad that it that it's going well because it was always the show, uh, one of the shows on the network that I was so excited to get off the ground. And uh, when King Who couldn't do it anymore due to life commitments, which is not a bad thing, it's a great thing. Yes. And uh, that meant uh, the show was uh, you know offline for quite a, quite a bit. And then you came on and uh, and you know. As I said to you, but I want to say to you personally, you know, thank you for being so positive and enthusiastic about this series, about the movies we're doing and the direction that this series is going, you know, with series coverage and the simple double bills that we do. Uh, you know, it might sound disgusting when we're saying, like, we, we are great, we have great chemistry, and we are great and all that, but, you know, it, it is working. And, uh, and it's fun to have someone to share in terms of uh, share with this um this attempt to spotlight, uh, put a spotlight on these movies, you know, mixing info and fun essentially about these kind of movies. And uh, f- for me, it, it, it's, it's kind of liberating to do these shows because y- you, it's not that I need to restrain myself elsewhere, but mm-hmm. it is a freedom associated with the show. You know, you can actually speak with like-minded people every once in a while in life. It's not common. Uh, so, and, and we, we aim for, you know, 
topics and discussions which which is both crass of course and uh, but but also it's kind of like uncovering uh, uncovering cinema here uh, documenting cinema that isn't documented for for better or worse because right. <laughs> mindfuck and ghoul sex squad necessarily don't need to be documented but we are going to uh, so you know it, it's uh, it's you know on the theme of crass you know that we are kind of childish and silly and all you know it's, it, this show is not us using the show as an excuse to be nasty because uh, if there was no drive as I said in the PM if it was no drive to provide actual reviews deep or not I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. I need. I, I want to hear that as a listener, and therefore I want and need to provide that to listeners. And uh, that, that's uh, that's really something special. And I'm glad to be uh, that I can share it with someone too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that really, uh, you know, I think I mentioned it like earlier when I first, uh, maybe after the first episode, before the first episode, something like that, I always this felt... This is lazy! This is too much! I don't want to do this! <laughs> this is gross! You, Why you, you stay here and like it! <laughs> no, like, I always felt like this show kind of, um... It, it... It sounds pretentious to say, but I almost feel like, you know, you're doing, you're doing a public service a bit with This Week in Sleaze and the fact or a that... a pubic moving, service, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes! But, like, you know, these movies really, they're covered in certain, you know, select areas, but I think that this show can bring them to a broader market, and um, I believe that that's, like, an important thing to do, and, you know, and you can sit there in certain movies, yeah, there are certain movies that probably are completely and utterly surface level, and there's not a whole lot to talk about with them, but, you know, like, look at the movies that we're covering today, there's actually, you know... Right by an angel two and three, which you know we're gonna get into it, but I mean they, there are moments within these movies that are actually kind of like artistically viable. Mm-hmm. You know they're actually very well shot, and I think that you know that sort of stuff deserves just as much of a mention as you know a guy jerking off another dude into a condom. Yep. You know that's that's the sort of stuff that you know needs to be brought out, and I think that uh, that is not we... jo- uh, Josh making something up from his uh, filthy mind or anything. <laughs> it happens in one of the movies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's you know that's kind of the stuff that you don't see elsewhere, and you know, hey, maybe people who want to see kind of some crazy content, you know, will sit there and listen to this and say, hey, you know. These movies sound, not only do they sound, you know, perverse and funny, but they also sound pretty interesting, and maybe I, too, can get something from them. So, yeah, well, uh, cool. yeah and, and, and again, we're utilizing an opportunity here, uh, because mm-hmm. po- via podcasting, because podcasting yeah. is very easy, you know, plug it in, record, mm-hmm. and you can get it out there easily, you know, so I, I, I treat it with... Uh, you know, a, a lot of respect to this opportunity. Uh, it's very easy, but it's also easy to just be, just be crass about it. Just because we're mm. talking these moves, I, I, I'm as childish about them as I am serious about them. Yes, and uh, I think that's a healthy uh, attitude to have. Uh, again, Ghoul Sex Squad and Mindfuck will still be actual movie reviewers when we'll do them for Tidy White Affair, mm-hmm. despite them being hardcore porn and insane in general. So uh, because I. Just like audio commentaries, I never like yeah, when it all, uh, you know, turns into uh, la- laugh fests and oh, everybody yeah. l- laughing and pointing at the screen. You know, I want to, I want something of substance. If there's some, there's always something to be said. You right. Know? And, uh, always. Um, 
Okay, so that was nice. So let's sl- snap into sleaze and filth mode. So mood. So how do we do it? Um. Uh, hey, George. Tits come part. <laughs> boobs. Boners. <laughs> Boners. <laughs> And we're back. Alrighty, you are listening to This Week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire Network website with this and about six, seven other shows. I have officially lost count. I think it's six. Uh, but it is podcastonfire.com. You can check it out. There's uh, wonderful little buttons that the Master Stu created for each individual show. And This Week in Sleaze has an image of Charlie Cho looking at a pair of boobs. So that's uh, probably having a boner underneath the frame as well. Uh, but that's at podcastonfire.com email if you want to contact us and uh, praise or complain about uh, this show we welcome that podcastonfire at googlemail.com and we have the message forum where you can't register at the moment unless you registered way before we we have problems with spam over there so uh, with the the forum at podcastonfire.com forward slash forum uh, is only browsable for prior members but they have access to the members only archive of hours of cut conversations and stuff like that but on the website nowadays when we post uh, stuff that uh, uh, we deem to be worthy of bonus episodes rather than inclusions in the main episodes uh, they go up in that section on the website bonus episodes and uh, we are closing in on our first bonus episodes will which will be i guess boner in parenthesis mm. boner episodes you know it. and uh, it will be rape by an angel 5 the unsubbed um rape by an angel 5 and i don't care if it's only 10 minutes uh, it's uh, it's a bonus you know you're getting it uh, additionally regardless uh, it'll be an interesting experiment experiment watching the series turn free for the very first time since the first movie because I think the uh, yeah that shot on video unrelated thing is uh, definitely free, or the equivalent video, a video rating. It might be an OAT rating, which is still, if it's OAT two, it's still for adults only. So, uh, so we'll get to that. That's posted on the website. Those episodes are never going to be available on iTunes or Stitcher, so you can only download the bonus episodes from podcastonfire.com. And we have some endeavors on Facebook, our page. Check it out and like it and interact with us there. Facebook.com forward slash POF network. And continue the interaction even more extensively, really, uh, compared to the page on our, in our discussion group. Just uh, search it in the Facebook search box by uh, typing in Podcast on Fire Network and we'll uh, glad to add you after you request that. And follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. And I do my writing of uh, these kind of movies and uh, ninja movies and IFT and film arc and Hong Kong horror, Taiwan horror. There's a crazy mix of Hong Kong and Taiwan essentially on SoGoodReviews.com. And I also video review certain of those reviews at SleazyKVideo.com. And follow me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. And on the topic of iTunes, the podcast on Fire Network uh, is there. You can subscribe to us via iTunes, leave us a comment and a rating if you like the show. We would very much appreciate that. And also stream us if you like that, uh, which I prefer as a as, as a as a as a podcast uh, user, if you will. Uh, I like to stream uh, stream my podcast via Stitcher. You can download that to your computer or to your smartphone, like the iPhone. And uh, Check him out at Stitcher.com. And, of course, the man who designed the intro and outro to this show and has helped out the Podcast on Fire Network before is Brian Kirby, whose T-shirt line you can find at ShelfLifeClothing.com, including a category-free T-shirt and some Japanese-themed T-shirts as well. I think he, uh, the one I had on yesterday, actually, was his Kaiju T-shirt. Actually, um, I hadn't worn that for a while. His uh, fake 
uh, fake kaiju movie t-shirt. I think it's his Zero Sore Battles, uh, no, Zero Sore versus Wolf Human t-shirt. And he put together a great retro t-shirt for that. So that's splendid stuff. So check out his t-shirts. Uh, you don't have any t-shirts uh, that are designed. Well, you have t-shirts, of course. <laughs> but you, you don't design them. But you do writing on various celluloid uh, and uh, podcasting on these cinemas. So what is there to say this time? Uh, very celluloid, really. Not a whole lot going on right this second. Working on a couple of reviews. Hopefully, I have. Give me some off. filthy Japanese titles, please. <laughs> no, I don't, actually don't have anything right now. Dang it! But uh, I will be reviewing. Uh, probably, I want to do some spaghetti westerns. You know, I've got the itch right now. I want to. I'm gonna probably have a review up for uh, a pistol for Ringo mm-hmm. pretty soon, and hopefully, like uh, back in the day, I used to do this thing where I did a taste of Sketty. <laughs> it was like a month-long tribute to, uh, you know, spaghetti westerns. Hopefully, uh-huh. I'll probably get back to that. Is it, uh, is it because the jungle is in the air? You're feeling the itch, or, or is well, it? Well, uh... yeah, yeah. I, I had a conversation with a couple of people on uh, Facebook the other day talking about uh, spaghetti westerns and stuff, and just was like, man, it's been a while. So, you know, there's that, and yeah, I, I think they're shooting Django Unchained somewhere near me or if it if it's already been shot i'm not sure but mm-hmm. yeah in the louisiana area as far as i know i think they're shooting around here unfortunately i didn't get to go on set and be an extra or anything like that mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah so i'm gonna try to do that and uh very so i mean v cinema just finished up uh our latest episode which we covered uh, street mobster i think i might have mentioned it in the last episode not sure but yeah we finished it uh, and jake mclarge huge from uh podcast without honor and humanity is on the show and it's a good one folks all right so, yeah i recommend yeah. it it's uh, it's one of the many asian cinema podcasts out there and you're all great but i and i all recommend it i all recommend you to to listeners uh, and including the cinema it's uh, it's a fast listen regardless of uh, the length of the shows uh, yes. which uh, i attribute to group chemistry uh, providing interest yes you know it's uh, it's that simple and entertainment Plus, there's rape on this episode. So yes, hey, <laughs> and, you know it's and, good. And therefore, you your uh, ears per- perk up on that show, you know. Uh-huh. You know, goodbye, dragon. And hello, street monster. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yes. Uh, okay, some late breaking updates since our original Rape by an Angel podcast. Uh, Mike Leader, Big Mike, generously contributed some juicy and some sad stuff surrounding the production and cost. So uh, it's uh, that that is true for movies and movies and movie industry. Sometimes it's not all it's not all gloss and uh, flowers and uh, and uh, pink rainbows and what have you. Uh, so, to quote Mike, the original English and Chinese title, title was going to be Legal Rape. Whoa. <laughs> and the film censorship board, Atella, went ballistic and said they'd ban the film if that was the title. You know, Viva la Wong Jing, you know, he knows how to push buttons. Uh, so, it was changed to, uh, to Rape by an Angel for English, and, uh, and Hong Kong's odd rape case is one of the rough translations for, uh, for uh, the Chinese title of the movie. And uh, unfortunately for the co-star Jacqueline Msutman, mm, uh, she, you know, as Mike said, you know, he felt sad for her, you know, lovely girl, but just not the best management, and it got her into trouble. She, she was quite vocal about the way she felt certain scenes were shot as they, as they were a bit, you know, 
exploitative and the, the whole legal rape title controversy wasn't sitting well with her and then she was supposed to do another category free movie and refused to this robe and one night in a club in Tsimchatsoya uh, someone baseball batted her as a very obvious you should do what you're told statement whatever happens legally after that whatever happened legally after that I don't know but uh, that's uh, that's certainly not fair that that's not the reason why I got into the movie industry to actually you know you should be able to say no I'm sure she didn't like break you know okay even if she did you know, go against a contract or whatever. Yeah. That's not the punishment. You know, a, le- a legal punishment might have been more apt. You know, if you break yeah. a contract, then then you might pay for that. But uh, not um, not in that way. But unfortunately, it was kind of Hong Kong cinema at one point. You know, uh, gangsters were near, and gangster activity and illegal activity were near. And uh, but but it's not cool. It's not fair. Scary. And uh, she's, she's really good in rape by name, but obviously she goes through hell, uh, you know, in, in the main rape scene. That's uh, that that is tough stuff for anyone to take. So, uh. yeah. But uh, so there you go. That that's a little bit a uh, little bit sad news about uh, Viabois' excellent uh, rape by angel. And after the slight musical break, we are going to go into the sequel territory uh, with Rape by an Angel 2 and 3. And going against kind of the, the agenda for this show, because we are not going to review any Category 3 movies tonight. Believe it or not. It's, uh, the series took, uh, took a few years off and then took a different direction ratings-wise. But we'll talk more of that after the break. Welcome back, and oddly enough, it took until 1998 for Wong Jing or or a few more people, maybe but Wong Jing is listed as producer, to resurrect the Rape by an Angel name. And it was perhaps a need out there to drum up business again in a struggling Hong Kong cinema. End of the night, this was really, uh, you know, in 1980 anyway, close to that breaking point where Hong Kong cinema might essentially close down. The piracy was taking its toll on the industry and uh, and uh, who, who would like to fund movies when you're, all you do is lose money? So there was actually a march uh, with um, with the big uh, guns in the industry against you know against piracy to ask the government to do something. And there, there was uh, uh, an actual you know, squad, a police squad uh, formed to battle this uh, for a few years. But I think the internet started to take off, so it became hard to actually battle it um, physically. Even if you did battle it physically, you still were starting to feel the piracy on the internet. So, um, uh, but we, the industry is still alive, obviously. So it's not like the internet sank it, but uh, so so it was a good thing uh, overall, a good development overall. Uh, this uh, this uh, squad that was formed, it seems anyway. I saw some documentary on it. I, uh, I would like to rewatch that. I don't remember what it was called, but they were essentially kind of fo- uh, following this uh, squad around, you know, uh, busting uh, hawkers on the street, if you will, and uh, and all of that. So, um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I I, I support it. I mean, I I, I it might sound con- controversial, but I, I support the the right to have all information free. You know, ha- have the right to try out the product. 
mm-hmm. but when you're making a profit on it, then you're you're yeah. you're, you're a cunt essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's as easy as that, you know. That's why I believe in the file sharing community because it gives us all a chance to try out if we want to structure our movie viewing habits and buying habits that way. Right. Again, the series that was resurrected in 1998, it was kind of quickly finished off uh, with the remainder of the four movies being done between 1998 and 2000. And another odd fact, as we alluded to earlier before the break, for some reason, Wong, or someone in the production, for commercial purposes perhaps, went after the Category 2B rating instead. Or ended up at it, uh, but it seems to me they didn't shoot it with Category Three in mind. Uh, it's not that, that like these versions are cut or anything like that, as a uh, cut to shit or censored to shit. You would have noticed that, and uh, and and no other movie in the series uh, two, three, four, five was rated free. And uh, the reason we are still here covering them is uh, uh, is the reason that I believe in being thorough, and I'm interested <laughs> how much you can push within category 2b so we'll be talking of the entire series and not be grumpy just because it isn't free <laughs> sit there with our arms crossed <laughs> no no boners here no boobs here no, no, no. slick filmmaking i want that <laughs> uh, but uh so that, that's what we're doing a few of the cast and crew for rape by an angel 2 we're going to talk about we're not going to talk about the wong jing and all that again we're going to talk about some new people including the director of uh, 2 and 3, Aman Chang, an assistant director on many Wong Jing movies and productions before graduating to director in this very year, de- uh, debuting with the Viagra comedy Mr. Waigo, which is pr- pretty fun, I remember. It was um, at several stores in one, and uh, most of them were pretty fun, including the sight of Anthony Wong dressed up as sperm. I think, uh, or, or, or his own penis or something like that, because he, he was talking to his penis in that movie, and uh, uh, low-budget fun. I actually loved uh, Mr. Y Go to, to a large extent, actually. And uh, he also, Man Chang, directed Sex and Sin Free, which was Category 3, and Holy Weapon in the Exploitation Department, and that was still uh, Category 2B. And uh, also has credits on writing credits and directing credits on uh, movies such as, and I picked this just because it's a great English title, He Is My Enemy, Partner and Father-in-Law, which is a Danny Lee and Nick Chung uh, comedy, which is Uh-oh. pretty solid. It's, uh, you know, came and went, as I say, you know, I don't remember anything about it, but I, I do remember I, I didn't dislike it hardly or anything. So Aman Chang, you know, not a hidden uh, hidden director such in Hong Kong cinema and uh, something that you need to do a director series on, but uh, has some solid uh, solid credits on on his resume, per, mm-hmm. uh, in particular during these uh, first few years of uh, being a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Aman Chang, and then we move on a little bit to lead actress Afina Chu, the gorgeous Afina Chu, yeah. and uh, it's it's kind of you know she's so classy and so. You know, incredibly beautiful. I, I don't even dare think any naughty thoughts about her. It's Athena, you know. You you don't you don't soil her. She's too China. respectable. Exactly. I don't know why, but I have kind of a you know a a, a button goes uh, you know shoots out at me like don't, don't. <laughs> so uh, she at her start of her career hosted children's programming on TVB uh, while attending the Hong Kong Academy for Performing Arts and 
she graduated and went on to movies and gained popularity through appearing with uh, Stephen Chow in Fight Back to School 2 and the Chinese Odyssey movies, the Chinese Odyssey 1 and 2. And she, she was kind of thought of, and maybe this explains why I, I, uh, why I think the way I think about her. She was thought of as having more of a wholesome image, and, uh, but it did really excite a lot of people when the idea and the, you know, the rumor and the very fact came came to Hong Kong movie industry that she was going to appear in a Rape by an Angel movie. But it was too good to be true. You know, no nudity from uh, Athena Chu. You know, she, we, we see her with a bra on, which is mm-hmm. sexy enough, you know, but uh, she she wasn't that desperate. You know, I don't think she ever was that desperate, you know. Uh, she has also worked in TV and uh, so also has fed a singing career as many multitasking Hong Kong stars do. And uh, goddamn these Asian women, you're ageless. You know, I, <laughs> she still looks the same. I, I'm, yeah. I haven't seen like a 2012 picture or anything, but you know, goddamn, she 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 does look the same. You know, and classy and somewhat bold with her movie choices as well. Uh, and. Uh, I remember she did a movie where she was a drug addict, which sounds cliched and all, but you know she could throw herself into roles and not just be a flower vase, if you will. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's easy to just melt when watching Athena on screen, you know, especially the uh, as the nineties went on and she she grew a little bit older. I mean, it, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. And uh, not really beneath her to appear in this movie. I think she, you know, comes out, you know, respectable or anything. It was not like this was a something that killed off her career. And she appears in another Rape on Angel movie. She's in four, yeah. uh, <laughs> playing the uh, same character, I believe. So it's a kind of a uh, kind of a sequel. Uh, so there you go. I don't know. I mean, but yeah, she is quite beautiful. I'll say that much. And uh, definitely, um, and not in. In a way that one might expect from a rape by an angel starlet, you know, mm-hmm. definitely uh, she does bring she does class up the joint a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 that can be applied to the fact that she co-stars against Francis mm, and uh, oh, yeah. you know here we go acting legend and character actor legend, uh, mm-hmm. uh, critically at least maybe not in in terms of mainstream, but I don't know how how Hong Kong sees him and such, but. He he has always had that chai and fat Simon Yam attitude about working, you know, work constantly, really, and hone your craft, and uh, and uh, you know, therefore, in between, there's going to be a lot of crap and a lot of great stuff, mm-hmm. you know, eventually as you as you develop and all of that. And his career tracks back to the mid '80s, where upon graduating from TVB's training class, uh, the third time around, he actually failed. <laughs> well, well, fourth time really, he failed three times. Uh, he, start, he started to work in TV and gradually advanced in status and skill and all that. And movie roles, uh, we're talking mid-80s here, uh, started to trickle in. And he logged uh, early appearances a few years into his movie career in Proud and Confidence, the kind of Hong Kong version of Top Gun. It, it is a SWAT team movie, though. But uh, and, and if any comparison could be made to a role in Top Gun is, uh, and Proud and Confidence in, in terms of Francisms. Uh, uh, participation. He plays the Val Kilmer role, but it, it's it, they don't do anything with it akin to what Top Gun did. You know, it's uh, it's. Uh, I think he's called possibly he was called He Man, or it was Dick Way's character that was called that was called He He Man. I don't remember now, but uh, he's in it. But they, they become friends really, really fast. Him and and, and Andy Lau, uh, who is more akin to 
Tom Cruise in that movie, you know, overconfident and cocky and all Maverick. of that. So yeah, because uh, you gotta you, you gotta compare Andy Lau and Tom Cruise. Uh, you know, when you're making a Hong Kong Top Gun, then you gotta, you know, put a great yeah. star in it and uh, have Hong Kong have their great star, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. at that time, uh, Andy Lau was suitable for the job, I guess. So, uh, and it, it's a fun movie, a, f- a fun action movie, proud in confidence. Cheesy, but still fun. Hell, if they were gonna remake uh, Mission Impossible, Andy Lau would be probably starring in it today. So. What was. No, it was not Mission Impossible. There were, there were talks of rumors that Andy Lau possibly would be appearing in Iron Man, but uh, maybe that's all rumor. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. He, and uh, Iron Man 3, right? I mm-hmm. think he might. I don't know. I think he's not, still tied to it, or maybe not. I don't yeah, know. I don't n- n- not that he needs it. I mean, it's not like Andy Lau needs to launch a Hollywood career or anything like that. Uh, I need it. You as a watcher need it. Yes. Uh, it'll be fun. We'll see what happens. Uh, film movies that uh, France has appeared in the latest final run, co-face final run, uh, Flirting Scholar with, um, well, pardon me, Flirtong Scholar, of course. It's called Flirtong Scholar on the DVD case, and that's what I'm going with. Uh, Stephen Chow period comedy. <laughs> there's no English uh, titles uh, title in the film actually, so uh, there's no, you know, it's just a choice what uh, what you go with. I go with Flirtong because I'm uh, dumb that way. And, and it makes me laugh too. And uh, a really early notable role, though, for Francis is as one of the half, uh, one of the halves of the Siamese twins couple in Ronnie Yu's *The Bride with White Hair*. The other half being uh, Elaine Loy. That one you've seen at some point, yeah. That yeah, but yeah, I believe so. I mean, it kind of mixes in with a couple of other movies from that era, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. And uh, he's. Uh, He's really good. I mean, he he he, uh, he 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 takes that opportunity and runs with it too, because they are really two outrageous villains, if you will. And uh, and it it's a cool movie, and he's made part of it. And uh, Elaine, Elaine Loy is fantastic, uh, uh, acting back to back with her. And that great reveal shot when you see the the prosthetic that shows them being uh, being attached to each other is just fantastic. And and the way it ends is apparently um, war, when they are detached. Mm. Francis apparently ad-libbed the line where he said, like, oh my god, it feels so good to be lying on your back. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> While he's all bloody and messy, and messy after being detached from, from his twin. So, uh, bright with white hair, you can see Francis in. But he really started to gain serious recognition by the latter half of the 90s, where he sunk his teeth into character roles such as Ugly Kwan from Young and Dangerous, reprising the role in the spin-off satire Once Upon a Time and Tried Society. He was in two as well, but that was a different character. He went head-to-head with Lao Ching Wan in Full Alert, Ringo Lam's Full Alert, and uh, brought more and more nuances to his acting and his character uh, at this time, you know, started really to gel for Francis and he got good material to work with, obviously. And he was Wilson Yip's boy for a while, Wilson Yip of Ip Man fame and what have you. Uh, logging fantastic nuanced work again in Bullets Over Summer and Juliet in Love. Uh, as well as appearing in big budget movies uh, from Andrew Lau, A Man Called Hero for Benny Chan, Gen X Cops, which is fantastic because Francis mostly acts in English 
in that one and has some really fantastic foul dialogue his like final speech before he dies is the most foul shit you've ever heard you know? <laughs> it, oh my I, I can't even quote this it's just so fantastic and his english is not good necessarily but he he, he sells it well you know it's absolutely fantastic and um, Jen Wycops, I never got through, but I want to see it again because it's it must be fun overall watching a movie that has Paul Rudd, a robot, and Edison Chen gangster talking, which was the reason I turned it off. At, you know, oh my god, shut up, shut up, yo, 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 no, 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 not for me, you know, off. <laughs> But I, I need to rewatch it. I mean, the the, yeah. the fact that they got Paul Rudd for it is just fantastic in in uh, on its own. Right, uh, Jan Cop. So, uh, did you see it at any points? I've seen both of them. It's been years, though. Um, I remember Paul Rudd being in it. It was post Clueless, and but it was before Knocked Up and his recent yeah. like resurgence and everything like that. But yeah. You know, they're kind of goofy, you know, I think I've seen, I don't think I've ever seen Gen X Cops anything but English dubbed, but, uh, yeah, they're goofy, but, you know, I have fun with them for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Francis Snag Day Hong Kong Film Award for Best Supporting Actor in 2004, 2000 AD, Gordon Chan's movie, and um, he debuted as a director uh, around about that time as well with the cop drama 9413, which is a pretty good movie. His second movie as director, What is a Good Teacher, not as good. And then he's co-directed on a few occasions. I think he did a movie called Dancing Lion, which was an okay comedy, really local comedy. And he did a wuxia with, uh, with co-director, um, co-director Marco Mack that I'm going to look up now, because uh, Tracing Shadow, it was called. Was okay for you, you know, a slightly big budget period movie, somewhat fun, and he's cool in it, and uh, and uh, but 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 never anything that uh, you know made a huge dent or anything in terms of his directing or or him, you know, ninety four thirteen and and the roles that I've uh, described, I really like to hear some of the uh, key roles, uh, reference roles. I and, suppose I probably best remember him from like uh, the Johnny Toe movies, Mission and Exile. Probably yes. it's where like he sticks out for me as far as like just remembering him. You know, that uh, Francis Glare is uh, fa- always <laughs> yes. fantastic to have, and they l- l- look badass without ha- badass without hair and badass with hair. You know, one of those mm-hmm. guys that uh, just has it. You know, uh, I I got into Hong Kong cinema again thanks to him. As uh, uh, when I read about Bullets Over Summer, for instance, uh, it, something ignited in me. You know, the movie sounded interesting, and then I found out that you could buy discs on DVD in Hong Kong. And you could buy it really cheap, and you could buy lots of movies really cheap. And hmm. then, uh, then I got the like trigger in me that my views are in need of being written down. You know, I need to write, uh, mm-hmm. me, like pushing me from the inside. And th- this movie was like the first one I did for my site. Uh, or, or second or third I remember some Andy Lau movie uh, was the third review really and uh, but, but Bullets Over Summer really was an eye opener and set me on a path uh, definitely and and it was just great to discover an actor again that you can't take your eyes off uh, like Chai fact for me uh, was that discovery and uh, and in these movies Francis is really playing it subtle but you get it you 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 get it fully it's uh it communicates perfectly with the audience and uh, you know he can do it all uh, playing evil stupid romantic funny uh and uh 
if anything, he fried when working with Wilson Yip back in the day. Even the Wuxia comedy, uh, White Dragon with uh, Cecilia Chung, I thought worked really well where he plays a blind swordsman. Uh, really silly, but uh, also emotional. And uh, yeah, I, I dug it. Uh, White Dragon even got a US release on uh, on DVD out of all things. Uh, so uh, it's widely available. Um so, so that's Francis Boyer. I, I've not followed his career extensively during the last few years, as I haven't followed Hong Kong cinema extensively for the last few mm-hmm. years. But, uh, but uh, Exile certainly stands out in terms of uh, in terms of that. And, uh, and 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 obviously we did mention it. That what, one of the big roles that he, that is probably more known for internationally is his role in Infernal Affairs Two. And uh, that's, uh, I don't know, it's, there, there, there's so much to say about that role, but, you know, cool and manners without being a over-the-top uh, villain. Yeah. What's kind of my summary of uh, of him there? Did you ever finish the entire Infernal Affairs trilogy? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went through them years ago. But, yeah, they do kind of, to me, they blend together. You know, and now with like the departed and everything like that, it's all just one big mess in my head. <laughs> like, which one was to, which one was like the prequel that you know they were younger? You know, it's unfortunate. But which one had that scene on the beach? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, still. that's a, yeah, that's what that's what happens. I, I actually disliked the departed. Uh, I uh, it was solid, but it never really got to me. Probably due to having watched Infernal Affairs before, but uh, it was not like. It was one of the better remakes, of course, but um, nah, not for me. I don't need to rewatch that again. What's crazy is, like, I had seen the Infernal Affairs trilogy before watching The Departed, but uh, somewhere along the way I had, like, totally forgot that it was going to be a remake. I remember, oh, it's a Scorsese movie, cool. And uh, so when I did finally go in to see it, I was just like, this seems awful familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still, like... Totally, I, I don't know. To me, the movie's like. I forgot, have I mentioned this on the show before? I'm not sure, but the the, the movie for me is kind of like um, just you know, I hate to say junk food because there is content there, but to me, it's just one of those movies that I can throw on at any time. Just like a lot of Scorsese's work, I just throw it on and I just have a good time. You know? Yeah, that's all all good and valid. Uh, out of all things, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to go on a huge the, the part of the uh, rant here, but. <laughs> I've never, ever, aside from one movie, liked Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor. See, I'm, I have a man crush nearly on Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio at this point. So. I, I, I'm not sure why I can't get into his acting. I don't know why. I, the only one I've ever liked, really liked is, uh, and it's not due to me being Swedish or anything, but I like Gilbert Grape. Uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? It's made by uh, Lasse Hallström, so it's... Obviously, Swedish director. I was going to say that. I was going to say, or um, this boy's life, or something like that, or um, what? Uh, but I don't know. He, ta- he, he yeah, that, that was solid. But he just takes me out of movies. Mm-hmm. And departed maybe was a problem with that regard. As he's gotten older, uh, and this isn't a slide against him or a slide against him or anything like that. I actually think it's it's a little bit of a compliment, but it's also. I don't know, you can take it either way. I think he's kind of getting into that point where he's becoming Leonardo DiCaprio. Kind of like, you know, sometimes Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks in all of his movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, John Wayne was John Wayne. And, like, you know, it's these characters, are, they're moving away from, you know, actually becoming characters and more everybody's kind of like 
you know, just a, a certain version of themselves, like, uh, you know, especially, you know, which I love the movie, but Inception, it's definitely kind of like uh, the perfect, you know, the epitome of that, you know, he basically is Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, <laughs> and, okay, he's like, okay, I'm Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'm in a dream <laughs> world, you know, but he, he's great in it, I think, but... It's going to get to the point where it's just going to be like, oh, it's, you know, it's Leonardo DiCaprio as Leonardo DiCaprio in <laughs> Aviator 2. Tonight, Leonardo DiCaprio can't make it, but we brought in a replacement. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, well they, uh, at least they didn't do what happened in Hong Kong cinema uh, a lot. Speaking of Andy Lau, you know, many uh, movies were like his character name was of uh, creative kind, you know. He's yeah. playing Andy. Andy. <laughs> uh, yeah it makes it easy for like really uh, stupid people like myself you know who is he playing again oh i know i remember now <laughs> i remember now yeah uh right on and uh, no one in rape by angel 2 is playing uh playing uh is, is named in the movie after their real life uh, names which is probably a good thing they're, they're named much they have given much better names especially the triad and that's us moving into the review for rape by angel 2 the uniform fam fam i'm saying fam all the time exactly there's a whole family of the <laughs> uniform fan from 1998 and the Chinese title I went to my friend Sylvia on Facebook again just to check what does this Chinese title translate to roughly because my thought was there must be some cool fucked up stuff hidden in there mm-hmm. and and Hong Kong's odd rape case for the first one they wanted legal rape as the title you know that's just an example of it was worth looking into this one roughly translates to rape to uniform attraction or uniform enticement <laughs> so it's not too too different no and uh plot before we go into our views taken from love hk films review with small additions from me so evil dentist <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that's you know you evil dentist because <laughs> there is no other <laughs> wow Okay, evil dentist Philip Wong, played by Jo Ma Tak Chung, has a thing for girls in uniform. He does his nurse regularly with violence and fantasy rape as a turn-on. Uh, it isn't enough of a sick bastard because he starts raping other uniformed cuties. And one of those is, uh, is uh, Jenny. He gets drawn to high schooler Jenny, played by Category 3 starlet Jane Chung Chun from... Cash Chins, The Fruit is Swelling, uh, the movie I talked about. That, that, that rather sweet Category 3 version of the Tom Hanks movie, Big. But again, no sex scenes for her character. Because mm. that would mean having sex with a child, which is in that movie. They, they, they were thinking for once. Uh, it, it is a sweet movie, you should check it out. And uh, he gets drawn to her and arranges an elaborate plan to rape her. However, things go wrong and he must deal with... Jenny's pissed off policewoman sister, Yu Po One, played by Fina Chu, who gets demoted from detective to PC at around the same time after letting her emotions uh, get to her. That means, in parenthesis, gasp, she's wearing a uniform. And then she becomes the obvious next target. And, and what I added, also newly released triad Bulky Kong, played by Francis M, and his closest scoundrel fella, Shitty. He's actually called Shitty, played by Ronald Wong, which is the production manager on the movie, and tons of other movies. He actually worked there behind the scenes a lot. 
they work hard to woo you poor ones. So they are involved when we have a, a romance angle to this second movie as well. And uh, what do you think about the uniform fan then, Joshua? I think uh, it's an interesting step in a new direction for the series, but uh, I think it also retains enough of the sleaziness in order to kind of make it a uh, a linear progression for mm-hmm. the series. And to me, you know, I think that the movie overall really works because of that. And it's not a it's only secretly name as you've gathered, right, the, right. Li- listeners. Uh, and uh, I, I I dug it, and uh, how overall uh, it's not a, a huge like five out of five thing, but I I do like it, and it, it's a uh, it, it's a it's a movie that that really poses the question, at least to me, how much can you push within two B? Mm-hmm. And answer answer is quite a lot, as you as you alluded to, and the least factor is quite high. Yes. And uh, I was pleased with the basic intent here, providing an exploitation movie, basic skills, basic stuff, that, you know, including nudity, rape, and drill violence, and Athena <laughs> Chew. You know, yes. basic stuff. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, there's even a, there's some, I don't know if it, they didn't kind of, it wasn't very explicit, there's even some po- potential necrophilia in this as well, you know. It's uh, definitely, a, um, it definitely pushes the limits. Yeah, since Doctor Lamb made it first, kind of, then you know the sky's the limit, I guess, and uh, yeah. and anyone operating below Doctor Lamb is considered, you know, <laughs> do, <laughs> doing it light and uh, and uh, operating. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's only I, I missed I missed amidst all of this the, the necrophilia reference, I guess. But uh, the um the early police officer sequence. When, yes. Uh, yeah, like you know, I'm sure she had to be dead whilst he was, you know, working on her. Yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah, actually, uh, we we'll, we'll talk a little about uh, different uh, sections of the movie, including the opening. I actually love how the opening shows Philip's quick descent from regular Boy Scout to making knots to making knots in the name of sex. And uh, early age pissing games, uh, yeah, you know, golden showers, and and it's wise, I think. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me or not, to not sometimes hold in your exploitation intentions. You know, just give it to us. Yeah, you know, we we sat down for a reason here. Let's, okay, what do you got? I went to see rape two uniform enticement because I want to see (laughs) some pretty messed up stuff. So throw it at me. Give me your best. Or worst, as it were. And, and it's kind of stuff that makes you go, oh, <laughs> yipes, gasp, <laughs> because they don't hold back in the subtitles, Ivan. I mean, I made a note uh, in the su- uh, one line from the subtitles from Philip, though. I like her to resist. It's funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, brutal. Low. <laughs> you know, uh, in, in the case of that scene though i mean it's it's sex between dad and his nurse girlfriend and they're both mm-hmm. in it only he's bored and uh, that leads to that sequence where he goes out on the town where that, that you briefly mentioned so do, do do you have the ability to to describe that uh, that montage sequence that leads to that horrible rape of the police officer i think the the introduction for the movie is kind of like uh crazy it, it it the first movie you know had some style to it 
but like the introduction to this film just throws you into a completely different world of style. Basically, you know, we're talking about like the knots and all that stuff. Essentially, our um, evil doer, the main you know antagonist, uh, Philip Wong, played by Joe Ma or whatever, he uh, essentially is detailing his early experiences with sex and how he had an older cousin who uh, would let him tie her up and stuff like that, and how her wooing him made him want to urinate, and how she eventually let him pee on her, uh, let him pee on her, and yada, yada, yada. But while this is going on, we're seeing, like, these incredibly, like, like, just really artistic and, dare I say, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word beautiful, but they are quite imaginative, these shots of, like, in pitch black with, uh, you know, Joe Ma tied to a chair. You can't see his face. There's just all this blue light, and, you know, he's sitting there. It's just all these quick cuts and everything like that, and it's really, you know, something that you'd almost see in, like, a Pinku film from Japan during the uh, 70s or something. It's just, like, really, wow, you know, I mentioned earlier artistically viable, and that's kind of a good description for it. So, yeah, we go from that to the uh, sequence between him and his uh, secretary, and you know, just having to get out there and get into something a little more interesting. He goes out on the street and uh, is eventually stopped. Because we, do, we don't know a whole lot about his character at this point other than he's into some kinky stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he is stopped by a police officer who he quickly dispatches of and proceeds to rape against a railing in a darker part of the alley. Uh, yeah, I mean, this sequence is kind of ignored later on in the film where, uh, you know, Joe Ma basically talks about, oh, I, I've never, you know, been with a police officer or something like that later yeah. on in the film. <laughs> even well, though, well, yeah, it's like, easy for a psychopath, I think, to forget that all <laughs> of the shit he's done for the years. I mean, he's raping everybody, so I guess, you know, you can't remember every single one. But uh, Or he just might have been trying to lie, you know, make himself seem a little bit better than he really is. Or pump but, himself uh, up, you know, you know, it's <laughs> going to be the first time. <laughs> so he uh, he ends up yeah, killing this woman, raping her, and ditches her body underneath a disposed of car in an alleyway, which, you know, it turns out belongs to Francis Ong. And, I, uh, I want to stop right there because... Uh, we, we are going to mention that sequence, but the, the, plot, w- yeah. what they set up in this uh, before the rape scene is that Philip Wong uh, is so fucked up that he he thinks any woman in uniform he sees is coming on to him. You know, he has imaginary dialogue. It's like, come get me, give me your rod, you know. <laughs> and, and he touches his earlobe while doing that in ecstasy. But that he's doing that in real life too, you know. It's not... And people kind of notice him. What are you doing? Ah, no, nothing. <laughs> like, uh, it reminds me of, and uh, maybe audiences at home right, might remember, in, uh, what is it, From Dust Till Dawn, with the way uh, Quentin Tarantino's character, Richie, yes. would like continually have... Like, Who knows? It might be from that. The timeline is correct. It, I know, yeah. Like uh, That's what I was thinking. I think Dust Till Dawn was around 96 or something like yes. that. Yes in that area and uh this is 98 right so could have been a little influence there but yeah throughout that movie quentin tarantino's character would constantly imagine you know uh women coming on to him and stuff like that and there's that sequence where he's uh talking to the young daughter or whatever Mm -hmm. and she 
turns to him and is like, Richie, would you do me a favor and eat my pussy for me, please? <laughs> and, uh, and he's just like, She's sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and like everybody else is like looking at him like, well, Richie, Richie. <laughs> great sequence. Uh, he, and... He's great in From Dust right. to Door. You can say all you want about right. Quentin. Uh, you know, I I love most of his work. I mm. always found that From Dust to Dawn, he's so uh, unfairly slammed. I think he's yeah. great in From Dust to Dawn. I you know, too. especially uh, you know, he, he he was bad in other movies. You know, what what his Pulp Fiction stuff and his Reservoir Dog stuff. He's ropey in there. He's fucking mm. great in From Dust to Dawn. You know, he he takes yeah. on a full role. So. You know, I I know it's not controversial to say I like Quentin Tarantino or anything, but I think it's unfairly slammed, and and it's great to see him play uh, those particular scenes. And later on in the caravan, did you mean what you said back there about what? (laughs) (laughs) What did I say? (laughs) And then just as he was about to say what he thinks he heard, Clooney interrupts him. You know, yeah. So <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I'm, it's great that you mentioned that. Now I'm I'm very convinced it's it's a good possibility that uh, Wong Jing and the production saw that and uh, decided to incorporate it. And it's not like it's stolen in a way where they where these where they made Philip Wong a robber along with a robber yeah. brother or anything. You know, it's not that evident. It's not Chu and Ping in that regard, which would have been great. But you know, it's uh, it, it's great that little yellow thing is. Uh, it's uh, fantastic, and I, I agree. I I like this, despite being a quick cut style. It, that could be rather annoying. It is actually compelling because it's done with a certain you know uh, honed visual touches, uh, right. visual touches well. And uh, it, it's it, it's steam. Yeah, uh, the, the sexual games are meant to be steamy between them, but mm-hmm. there's a dangerous style here. And the rape of the traffic cop. I think it takes place on an elevated. Uh, level or a roof because Mm -hmm. there's a shot of people like dancing in the street and then the camera pans up and he's raping her and uh, and she's hanging a little bit over the roof which is pretty chilling looking to be honest and uh, Mm -hmm. but but being category 2b there there is nudity at the beginning of the film there is nudity a little bit throughout but they don't feature these sequences uh, you know for longer stretches of time but they do feature them to enough extent where it's pretty chilling actually Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's a challenge, and that's effective when you can uh, when you can make it uh, make that you're not tied, you know, uh, tied to the category three rating as such that you can only perform this kind of stuff within the rating. So I'm I'm glad to see it working. I, t- I definitely like uh, just in terms of this movie. I, d- I don't think you'll sit there and watch the uniform fan and then afterward go. Yeah, but they really could have pushed it a little more. You know, I mean, you you really don't because the movie is pretty, you know, uh, vulgar at, mm-hmm. at moments. You know, it definitely pushes the limits, and you don't feel like you're watching just uh, a toned down version of a Cat Three movie while watching. Oh, absolutely sure. not! No, no, no. Uh, okay, uh, you um, you were going to talk about the scene after Francis is released from prison. A uh, little fantastic comedy sequence about uh, them finding the body. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, the 
the rape of the traffic cop uh, sets us up for the rest of the movie, kind of introduces us to uh, Francis Ong's character. Uh, the body of the traffic cop is placed underneath his car, <laughs> and apparently Francis Ong has been in jail for uh, nine months or something like that. Yeah. I forget yeah. how long it is. Uh, yeah, he's been in jail, bulky Kong, and he gets out and he meets Shitty, his partner <laughs> in crime. <laughs> Oh, how ridiculous. You know, it's funny, like, when you watch the movie, well, at least it is for me, you know, I'm watching it, and the name Shitty's not, like, jumping out at me, like, this is ridiculous, who would sit there and call someone that, but the second you have to explain to someone, oh, yeah, and his partner's name is Shitty, you know, it it really starts to seem insane but uh yeah yeah so skip forward they find uh, he sits there and he goes to find his car which has been parked up for nine months probably doesn't run anymore but uh it looks horrible and sure enough there's that dead body underneath it so you know he sits there and you know it does it leads into like a comedy of errors between uh with shitty and uh Francis Ong trying to hide the body or move it to another uh, location to get yeah, away from he, him. He, he doesn't want to be involved in crime just because he's just been released and right. it's just like oh my god it can't be under my car let's move it to another car you know moving the body you know good he's thinking. Like, let's not call the cops because you know they'll sit there and believe it's me and so yeah. you know, as they're doing that and move, trying to move it to another car of course the car's going to move <laughs> and uh, they're left holding a dead body in the middle of an alley uh, and, uh, and then they set moments. her up in a pose oh, and yes. tries to leave and then she slowly like just falls down again <laughs> that's just fantastic stuff because they, yeah. they 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 put her they put her leg up on the, the to, wall. Yeah, yeah on the wall at yeah, the banners on the wall but she falls soon and they try to run away from it you know weekend at bernie style yes exactly looking at here and uh yeah it doesn't work out, out that well for them yeah. Uh, he's uh, he, he's um, he's not lucky. I mean, uh, then he when he meets a Finnish character, he, it's when he gets into a hostage situation when uh, when uh, having uh, having dinner or having tea, and uh, there's bad guys there. There's a stakeout situation there where Madame Yupuwan is there with her with her man, a Finnish character, and uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, Someone injected a joke here that uh, it went really fast. Or re- re- the subtitles went uh, really fast, but they make a reference to the uh, Patrick Yao movie, the Johnny Toe produced Patrick Yao movie, Longest Night. Uh, mm. Francis, while uh, while having a gun pointed to him by a bald guy, essentially says, if the translation is anything to go by, that like you you, you can be an actor, you, ju- you look just like Lao Qingwan in uh, Longest Night. <laughs> And it's a kind of Wong Jing, like, yeah, you referenced the movie, ha, ha, ha. But I, I don't mind it at the same time. It's, it's very Wong Jing, like him sitting down to that. <laughs> okay, shoot this now. This is funny. What's this? Just shoot it. Just shoot it. It's funny. <laughs> and uh, and uh, there you go. But uh, he's, uh, he, he was sentenced to either peeping or molesting this character and he obviously isn't subtle about uh, about how much he likes Safina Chu because when he first really sees her what is he do what is he doing? He stares at her boobs. Of course. You know, eyes up here, you know <laughs> So uh, and uh, and he really can't take refusal either, you know, because in a latter sequence he uh, bulky Kong who will be a lot more nicer in the movie later but he can't take refusal so he immaturely like calls in the boys, you know. You know, she refused me. Let's call in the boys and do 
something. It, it's the feeble acts of triads, which I love in these movies. In the 90s especially, when you didn't glorify the triad lifestyle and just made them all goofy and dumb and silly in a clever way. The Once Upon a Time in Triad Society movies are fantastic examples of that. In particular, the second one, Francis is this triad who really doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, he's in it, and that's kind of what he has to deal with. I guess there's some advantage to it, but he'd rather play a mahjong all night. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that particular night, uh, they're, all, it, uh, they're all called to a potential confrontation. Everyone needs to be here now. And uh, different gangs are standing on each side uh, of the street, you know, just yelling at each other. You know, what? 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 <laughs> but no one is going to do anything. No one is... Uh, there to do anything because uh, no one knows why they're there, what the conflict is, and they just asked to be there. And Francis sets off the entire brawl because one of his friends, uh, Roy Chum's character, is in the other tri gang, and they they have kind of a loose relationship where they can yell to each other, you know, "Hey, shithead!" And he does that in the crowd, and Roy Chung acknowledges it, but all the triad guys sees that as the trigger, you know. What did you say, shithead? And then it's on. Yeah. <laughs> and that always made me laugh. You know, hey, shithead. <laughs> so it's uh, Francis in tried roles. It's um, there are a lot of cool roles to find. Even sexy and dangerous with Billy Tang movie, which is uh, rather fun. You know, he he could play that kind of pathetic, fun, sympathetic, goofy try very well you know yeah he played he played intimidating characters in his life and ugly Quan from young and dangerous was more intimidating than funny um com- you know, the first try society movie he's funny uh, but um he, he he can be very intimidating but i, I like to see him uh hammer up as well and he yeah he has some exaggerated moments uh, uh in this movie but i i like francis and i like his interplay with uh, athena as especially as she sees that he's he's not a bad guy he's not evil as he uh, right. as she says she she can obviously check his file his, you know his records and 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 it, as it turns out the nine month sentence was kind of a ropey trial uh, uh, a ropey sentence because it said that he was kind of set up yeah and she believes him you know that, yeah I'm, you know you're good you you're cool i hope you can better yourself <laughs> essentially uh he basically lies about you know his you know role in the triads. You yeah. know, sets himself up to try to be like some big boss, but in reality, he's just a low-level goon, if anything. Yeah, that uh, se- sequence at the restaurant is the example of that when yeah. uh, when his fellas are are, uh, are keeping uh, customers out of the restaurant just to seem that they have booked the restaurant all to themselves, and that mm-hmm. that hostility that uh, shitty. Uh, this place against the uh, restaurant owner will come back to haunt him, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he can't wield any power, you know, even when he tries to, like, he, he's going to give uh, the restaurant owner, you know, uh, his visa card, you know, he gives him his video rental card, you know, he's clumsy, you know, he's digging his hole further. She knows it, obviously. She, yeah. But uh, she, she kind of feels bad for him because he does open his heart when he's to her when uh, they're all alone. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's a little sweet uh, sweet side to it not not as good if you want to compare it to rape by an angel but i i, I do yeah. like it because they are good together yeah i mean it it is basically the tie you know one of the ties between the original film and this film you know where you kind of have 
similar things going. You know, we talk about it, you know, it's a sequel and name only, but it at least has similar themes. You know, you have, just like in the previous film, you have, you know, the whole, uh, a darker understory following the dentist. You have the lighter story between, uh, you know, Athena and, uh, Francis. <laughs> Francis, Philip, Lord, I'm sitting there. Uh, between Francis and uh, Athena, you have that going. Then you have, uh, where else was I going? You know, just very similar stories, you know. And But it's done in a different enough way that even to me, the kind of like the pace and everything feels different than what the other film was. I, I think in some ways I feel the blending of the two stories kind of works a little more in this film. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, this is probably a weaker film. But I do think that it actually kind of um, seems to connect better. You know, the two different worlds could be something to do with, you know, the our evil dentist going after her sister and everything like that. So there's a much quicker connection between, you know, Athena's sister and our evil story. Plus, they just kind of have the evil dentist, you know, is kind of everywhere in the film, you know, you've yeah. got uh, Joe Ma, he pops up during that hostage situation. Yeah. Like, he's there on the side, you know, God, God knows what for. And then, uh, you know, he's sitting there watching uh, Francis Ong, watching him in the alley and stuff like that, with the body and all that. So he, he kind of pops up. He's a, a force that, you know, you can't really ignore throughout the movie, you know, mm-hmm. silently watching and observing observing everything. So, you know... Uh, he's no Mark Chang, but he does give mm-hmm. him a r- good run for his money. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, him, uh, I actually saw him prior in a way different role. He's not to be confused with the director Joe Ma, obviously, but mm-hmm. he was in the um, TV drama, the 40 episode TV drama of Triumph in Disguise about that airline pilot, where he co starred with uh, Chai for uh, fucking hell, uh, <laughs> Uh, so it was a much kind of uh, Joe mind that uh, definitely and um, yeah I saw tri- Triumphant Disguise it's a really cheesy so yeah. but uh, it, it, Francis is great in it and he has a great theme song by Ethan Chan and uh, just just fun stuff I haven't watched enough Hong Kong TV because um, subtitles is not the most common thing it is now but it wasn't back then so I saw it fan subbed but uh, on that behavioral pattern that we spoke about where uh, Philip Wong sees uh, he, he he has illusions and then starts touching his earlobe when uh, those illusions starts playing you know when yeah. when all the girls want him to do stuff with him i love that i i, I love this sequence where where uh, where he's in the house he's invited all the students and he's invited uh, jane chung to his to his house and he's you can see her leaving the room while he's still touching his earlobe, while he's into his world, she just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you, 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 you stay here and have fun, and I'll do something else. Uh, she doesn't acknowledge it, but uh, I, I love that that you finally saw that cut. You know, that one part of his like uh, his psycho psychopath behavior is actually viewable in real life. Yeah, like, uh, I like that that sequence, like, he's in the bedroom, and, like, what is he, uh, imagining her on the bed, I think, trying to lure him in or something like that, and, uh, yeah, he's just sitting there, like, standing still, like, imagining all this, and in the background, she's walking out of the room, like, when they originally walked in together, and he's showing her stuff and everything, and it's like, 
you know, geez, what is she thinking when this guy's like, you know, oh yeah, and then, uh, uh, <laughs> goes to the like, and then she's just like, okay, I'll go back in the other room and drink some beers or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, stu- stupid or open-minded kids uh, following a stranger home who gives them beer. Good, good thing. And grown man too. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, who, who is actually at all also roaming the school uh, the school area because he uh, he actually the way he meets them is that he he has stolen a gun and he shows some triads of the girlfriend of uh, yeah. Yen Chun's uh, boyfriend of Yen Chun's character that he has a gun and they run away after threatening to beat him up and rape her I guess and but he he's roaming the school school yeah. if you will the schoolyard and yikes and 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 and, and I guess it goes in line with the fact that there, there is no restraint here despite the 2B there, there's very frank dialogue about spanking uh, again he, he has like give, give you know give give, give uh, your rod to me if you will you know it's great frank stuff and uh, and one little secret I wanted to mention is uh, yeah, he's a dentist and he takes advantage of his patients as well mm-hmm. and the nurse or girlfriend if you will um, or fuck buddy even she 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 knows that and you know she's worried like you can't take advantage of that and the way she avoids um another rape if you will is by offering up her body yeah (laughs) it's like wow what's good (laughs) this is sleazy that's an understanding woman right there yeah Oh, he can't help himself. Let's have sex on top of this uh, patient. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're unconscious. Yeah, exactly. It took. Um, it was even Jane Chung's character, I believe, uh, at that point. Uh, she uh, she went to uh, went to his clinic, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, it was. Wow. but uh, you know, he talks of the fact that uh, his sexual lust can't be controlled, so therefore he goes out. So, you know, when he when he said goodbye to the kids for the first time. He uh, he goes after the very first woman he sees, and it's a poor Western flight attendant. Mm. You know, bumps her head into the wall, and then yeah, it, it's only like a twenty thirty second sequence, but in it's an exercise that is done well in terms of creating disgust, yeah. uh, working with short sequences and working below category three, and that is. I don't mind it. I mean, I I can take extended stuff. Uh, you know, n- not that it's fun. You know, I can take Red to Kill despite mm-hmm. it going for it, and then some. You know, being Category Six at least with its <laughs> with its uh, direction, but uh, it, it's 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 very harsh. And uh, and what, what I was going to ask you because I, I wanted to briefly speak about the scene in the restaurant where Athena beats uh, beats up Francis, and uh, and I'm I'm not sure I've asked you this question before, but how how are you in terms of uh, uh, accepting uh, contrasting moods in Hong Kong movies, you know that it's very comedic mm-hmm. and po- uh, at one at one end of the spectrum and very dark at the other end of the spectrum. You know, uh, it doesn't need to apply to a to a category three movies. You know, is that something right. that you uh, get annoyed by at all at some time? Uh, yeah, it depends on how it's handled. You know, I think there's. You know, I'm not going to say there's a right and a wrong way to make movies, obviously, but you know, there, there, there is a such thing as like a film mood and stuff like that, and there are ways to keep that mood, you know, kind of acceptable for all things. And you know, 
there's obviously there are films like Last House on the Left where the comedy just does not work no. and has no place <laughs> in being in the movie. And then there you know then there are movies that sit there and can deal with pretty heavy stuff and then mix it up with you know varying you know kind of a jokey atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I think this film's actually a pretty good example of blending the two worlds. You know, mm. I think this one is it's a main, it's mainly example. the triads. It's the you know uh, and, right. sh- and, and and shitty. It's uh, the <laughs> comedic element, if you will. And uh... right, I mean, you've got some pretty heinous stuff going on when you certainly when we follow uh, our evil dentist. But you know, then you have some much lighter stuff with the uh, whole triad world or whatever. But I think that the two two areas kind of complement each other and I think it has something to do with the way uh, everything's kind of blended together you know and just the hits and the beats that the film follows like you know okay it's light it's light but hey here's a hint of something dark and sinister going on in the background so don't forget that we have that too you know mm-hmm. it, it just seems to kind of you know hit all the right marks as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned I don't know if it's fair to compare but uh, 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 to any western equivalent but I think mm-hmm. the likes of the Coen brothers always does this well Right. I, uh, I mean, uh, burn off the reading, for instance. Oh, yes. Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even going back to Fargo, and uh, mm-hmm. so um, it's uh, it's an art that can be very adoring and uh, mm. very uh, annoying, uh, uh, depending on the movie. Because uh, I agree, I don't mind it. I, I just take the experience for what it is, and it can be can be kind of beautiful when the two are mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want to see Red to Kill have that side, but uh, yeah. but but you never know. You never know. <laughs> The, uh, that sequence I wanted to briefly mention that uh, that scene where Athena beats uh, Francis up in a restaurant she is incredibly mad because in so, he thinks that he is on his way to woo her and that they're essentially in bed together and she uh, and his fellas are singing the congrats on wooing song <laughs> to him <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then she comes in you know you know what if if you beat me up we'll have sex but if I right. beat you up, you'll just leave me the fuck alone. And, and you know, what happens naturally? He gets beaten up uh, easily. And there's a wonderful moment in there where he has his face on the bar and mm-hmm. then starts, you know, having a little drink through a straw on, on, the, on, on the random drink that's on the bar. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then later on, he, she thinks that he has kind of faked, like, uh, f- thank you for letting me beat you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's not, <laughs> but in reality, you know, she could dress him down, you know, easily and beat him for good reason. And you know, and Athena has fire in this movie. I, I, I really dig her. I mean, it's not an acting challenge, but she has the fire to, uh, you know, and, and the attitude. You know, you don't mess with me. Yeah, she's super charismatic. You know, she jumps off the screen for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it, it is it is amusing. Uh, you know, as 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 a comedy if you will you know not grating and it, it is a win uh, mm. in this case for certain Hong Kong comedies and Wong Jin comedies it is not win <laughs> definitely yeah. not uh, category free or not so uh, uh, you know another theme that we're hitting upon with the Rape by an Angel movies uh, again it doesn't make them uh, true sequels but uh, we will have at the end of the third movie um, the third movie that features the appearance of a white mask Yes. Not yes. the same as in the first. That was a poor Jason no. mask. But uh, in two and three, it's the same Michael Myers-ish mask, only yeah. more neutral, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a, a cool, iconic image. Scary image. Yeah. Uh, it, it mainly is in the scene where 
Philip Wong rapes uh, Jenny Yang Chung's character, which, which is one of the cuts in the movie. You, you can hear it on the audio that uh, there is some cut in there, even though there's nudity, but uh, it, it is shortened somewhat. Uh, mm-hmm. Not super noticeable and not cut where you notice it four or five times. I heard one audio, uh, that audio went a bit uh, wobbly, if you will, but uh, it, it's heinous enough because... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, gonna explain because I won't be able to explain it well but Philip Wong is a calculating motherfucker and uh, yes. the way he covers up his crime I guess you, you gotta explain it just because you probably can better because it's a, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, it spoils a little not the end it, it needs to be mentioned because it represents how much Wong Jing and crew Aman Chang, the director, push within 2B. So, mm-hmm. after the rape scene of uh, Yang Chung's character, what happens? Yeah, uh, well, the rape scene is established in the movie. I'll just go into that, because, like, the uh, whole sequence is established by our evil dentist loaning out his little uh, side house or whatever to uh, the character of Jenny, the little 15-year-old girl, the yeah. sister of, uh, you know, our main protagonist, uh, Athena. And, uh, yeah, so her and her friends go there, and they're all drinking and boozing and what have you. Well, our awesome evil dentist that basically poisoned, not poison, but it's just like knockout, you know, pills or whatever, and, and all the beers and such or what have you. So everybody yeah. pretty much eventually is completely and utterly, you know, KO'd. So he takes... uh you know, Jenny into the other room along with one or <laughs> along with her boyfriend or what have you. I think he carried her in there, right? Because mm-hmm. she was about to pass out. Well, they both end up passing out, and so our masked dentist, which is kind of weird because everybody's knocked out, dude. He's got this white mask that, like uh, Ken was saying, it basically is, it's similar to the Michael Myers mask because it's basically an expressionless face. But there is no, you know, there's no hair on top or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just this white mask, and it is quite. It's a very, it's a very theater-like uh, mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's very like a spooky-looking mask. And so, yeah, he proceeds to rape her, and uh, not before we get, of course, like a great shot of him, you know, taking a condom out of the package because you know he's going to wrap up beforehand, which is all part of his master plan. You see. Mm-hmm. So he proceeds to um, then go down, you know, and un- he unwraps a- another condom and uh, goes to the knocked out boy at his foot and proceeds to uh, <laughs> masturbate the young man into a condom. And his plan for again, this like is- four or five seconds, you see right. this at best, Very but quick. you know what he's doing. It's a right, right. it's a shot from behind, but yeah, it's a shot from behind, and you see his hand moving or what have you. <laughs> really, his shoulder, and yeah, you're just like, what the fuck, you know, like, huh? And you know, does he get off on this too? Well, not really. He's just basically collecting semen, and the young man's still knocked out despite ejaculating and oh, what, oh, yeah. you know, or whatever. Mm. So. And he's doing this to collect the semen to sit there and place it inside the girl. You see, he's sitting there and creating himself an alibi. And uh, as he is, I guess, you know, preparing to give her the dosage. (laughs) I don't really know how to put that. (laughs) Yeah, as he's preparing this, she awakens and he ends up strangling her with a pillow. You know, places the pillow over her face. And of course, she dies after like eight seconds. And, uh, yeah, so now 
the young girl has been murdered on top of everything. And I hope this isn't really a spoiler. It's not really. It happens in, what do you think, like the first 30 minutes of the movie? It's a sort of mid-movie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, between the first third or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so this happens and this establishes the rest of the film or what have you. But, yeah, it, it's a very... Uh, he's calculating, just like our, our first villain in the first film was... You know, he's sitting there, he sees all the angles, and he is an angel, mm-hmm. but, you know, to society at least, but in actuality is a devil. <laughs> yeah, we, and there's no, like, these are sequences in the movie, not talks of it, mm-hmm. w- which would have been horrible enough, and uh, right. it's uh, it's undoubtedly effective. Yeah, and so th- uh, and and sets you know obviously a, a revenge path uh, going. We won't spoil uh, the entire movie in this case. Uh, I I just wanted to, uh, I will mention uh, a few little beats uh, that uh, that is even at the uh, end of the movie. But uh, uh, <laughs> the the it's it, it's a wow it's a wow sequence, you know, and and it's it's kind of stylistic. Too, mm-hmm. in a way i mean we yes. it's a, it's not just point and shoot you know obviously using no. thunderstorm as a as a as a uh, as a way of heightening atmosphere and all and what have you and Great uh, too. just yeah, amazing lighting yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh, i was curious about if there was any any fairly known cinematographer on it not really xing fok ying has been a cinematographer for ages but not one of those like yeah this was shot by peter powell it's not like uh not in the not in that ballpark if we uh what i wanted to mention as a few minor notes before we sign off for this review is uh i i like the on style i i like the 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 sequence where after afina chu has been demoted she's suiting up into traffic mm. for traffic duty but if the sequence is shot almost in that way where that commander way we know where where it's almost like suiting up for action you know it's stylistically yeah. and in slow motion and, and she ends up in rather fetching where you know she looks good in traffic oh, duty yeah. <laughs> in traffic duty wear and she because she's iconic and that is kind of sexy i don't know and uh, that <laughs> that philip wong likes as well you know <laughs> and uh what i also like is one of the funniest <laughs> bits in the film where francis and ronald wong are uh, sto- uh, they are following Philip Wong in the least subtle way ever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> these fucking bozos. <laughs> you oh, know nothing man. about tailing someone. <laughs> I like when uh, he sits there and uh, the, he's following uh, the char- Philip Wong character, and uh, he sits there, and Philip Wong just stops at like a corner or whatever, and so Francis Ong comes behind him and's like just. Like he walks right into him, basically, and then like, you know, starts to look around, like, "Oh, am I lost? Where am I?" Like, <laughs> At least subtle, no. you idiot. <laughs> and and it, uh, uh, what he says also, he, he goes into his clinic, and I think he says like, I, "I'm I'm gonna stare at him from the dentist chair, really like, toughly, like." Uh, <sighs> It's like fucking Homer Simpson style planning. This, you know? <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> I, I mean, and and then eventually, uh, I, I won't uh, set it up uh, firmly. I will mention the following: that it all backfires, obviously, because mm-hmm. Philip Wong is way smarter than bulky and shit, <laughs> and uh, it, it will, you know, a dentist has drills, and it will involve drill violence, mm-hmm. and uh, not. Not like the dentist Brian Usnas dentist style drill violence because they can't afford anything like that. But 
it's been pretty, you know it's pretty heinous stuff what we see yeah. here despite oh yeah man it caught me off guard you know i just didn't expect that to happen with the people involved mm-hmm. you know the characters involved i should yeah. say i didn't expect that to go on i was like what and then also uh, one of my final notes here the movie is kind of wisely kind of teases us that Athena might get naked towards the end because she's obviously in a vulnerable vulnerable position towards the end. There's a big confrontation, obviously, and something might happen. It doesn't, but I, I actually I think it's infuriating and clever at the same time because mm-hmm. o- obviously the filmmakers knew that there was a buzz here. You know, Athena Chu in a rape in a rape two movie, a rape movie overall. <laughs> you know, and uh, and uh, it's ne- it never goes into. You know, even though we see her uh, with, you know, we see her bra, bra exposed and all of that, it's not like it's the, you know, a, a huge, the hugest wonder bra they could find or anything like that. It's not necessarily, you know, a five minute sequence showing off a sexiness, you know, teasing us that way. You know, that's what it is. She's incredibly beautiful and sexy, despite you know, but but they don't tease us. For five minutes, uh, you know, it's gonna right. happen. It's gonna happen. It didn't happen. Aren't you all disappointed? You know, they they do clear. It it, it did infuriate me in a bad way, you know. <laughs> but some might have, you know, during the midnight screening in 1998 uh, in, oh, in yeah. Hong Kong, you know. Um, what the? But um, and and then suitably after all is said and done, it ends. Uh, in a freeze frame comedic oh, moment, gosh. you know, watch raised by an angel too. It's a typical Wong Jing moment. I would have liked for some variation of the big wah ending happen, you know, right. <laughs> where characters jump in the air and freeze frame. <laughs> and, and, we survived! Yeah! <laughs> people died, rape happened, someone got slapped. <laughs> Credits. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a it, it's a it's a good follow-up and uh, a, a, a neat little exercise in working with Category Two B. And Aman Chang did uh, did well in that regard. I mean, it's it's a fast-moving film, I thought, and uh, it, uh, it 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 pushes buttons that exploitation fans uh, uh, might be a bit uh, taken aback by, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what I the end of my notes. So do do you have an, anything else you want to talk about from from the film? Where? No, I think you pretty much touched on everything. I mean, it's definitely, uh, it it pushes the limits, you know, and uh, a very suitable follow-up to the original film. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if if watching it, I probably would have thought it was a Category 3 film, you Mm -hmm. know, just watching it. I mean, there is a lack of a nudity, I suppose, but, you know, the violence and just the obscene kind of content, you know, you've got a 15-year-old girl being raped in the movie, you know, it's pretty uh pretty heavy stuff so yeah it isn't sanit- it isn't sanitized Mm-mm. and cleaned up definitely not, no, uh, not at all. which which could be uh argued to be the case for rape by an angel free but um yeah. we'll uh we'll talk of that after the break rape by an angel free sexual fantasy of the chief executive
So welcome back and it's time to talk about the third entry in the series But uh, it won't end at, at the trilogy We will do six movies in total for Raid by an Angel So they, they made five official ones via the one Jane Camp And then uh, as we said a, a second fifth one Which uh, was clever enough to be name itself something Raid by an Angel Five <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this is free and we're going to talk briefly about free cast members It's directed by Aman Chang again and uh, it stars Alex Fong, Alex Jetpack Fong, obviously. There's a swimmer actor, uh, a swimmer turned actor called Alex Fong as well. So the way to differentiate them is by calling Alex Fong uh, from this movie, Alex Jetpack Fong. Fong. So Alex was initially a model before entering the business, and it, it's kind of funny with with Alex. He, to me, he, he's developed screen presence with age, and even uh, developed his screen personas because. Back in the eighties, when he appeared in the Angel movies with the Moonlight and what have you, he was he was a dorky-looking action hero. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he 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 did. He, he's great in those movies. Those movies are great, but he he was dorky in the Angel films. But he was part of some great stuff, you know. In the third one, flying in on a machine gun-equipped jetpack during the finale, <laughs> which is fantastic stuff, and. Um, you know, even in category three movies such as Escape from Brothel and Pretty Woman, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, uh, you're not seeing the signs of something great there. It just took a few more years and a few, you know, his look needed to change, I think. And by 98, I mean, he, he looks, you know, way different. You know, look, you, you've seen mm-hmm. Angel, you've obviously seen Escape from Brothel. Yeah. This is a, a, a guy who aged. Uh, who needed to age, in my opinion. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I seen a review uh, mentioning that he looked like uh, Richard Gere in this film. You know, like, uh, I could see that, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of a handsome older fella. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, what what he, what he, what happened also with age is his charisma was heightened, his mm-hmm. presence and ability to communicate through very little in movies. And I first saw that in Portland Street Blues, which is a spin-off from Young and Dangerous. Uh, they make uh, the Sandra M character, Sister 13, which is a lesbian tribe boss. They, uh, she got her own movie. It's a serious movie, it's a drama and all that. Shu uh, K won an award for that movie. Uh, but Alex Fong is in that very assured, subtle and all of that. And he's... He's great in Till Death Do Us Part, a very dark and disturbing divorce drama. Francis Umstar co-stars in it uh, as a lawyer. And uh, he's memorable alongside Leslie Jung in the actioner Double Tap. And uh, also One Night in Moncock is probably one of his better movies. The Derek directed movie One Night in Moncock, where he plays uh, a cop uh, again on the topic of being subtle. You know, he doesn't need to say much. And I, I, I like when that is conveyed uh, you know, when it works, you know, when that combination works, because I, I, I can be a viewer that needs my stuff spelled out for me. But uh, Francis and Alex have developed into um, in, into skilled actors in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, one of his first movies, it deserves to mention, is um, Alex's uh, f- first movie is, is Escape from Coral Cove, a horror movie. And it was directed by John Woo's longtime producing partner, Terrence Chang. <laughs> I think he did like one or two movies. That was that was his. Uh, that was one of his movies as director. Uh, not a good horror movie as such, but it, it, it's fun to watch because it is really cheesy. You know, made in the eighties, and the horror movies in the eighties kind of, regardless if it's Hong Kong or not, they, 
I don't know. It, 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 it's bearable. You, you can watch it. You know, uh, there's so much wrong with it, but it, it, it's fun. And uh, as a sea, you know, the horror, the monster in that one is kind of a sea monster, sea ghost, or something like that, which I think is Roy Chung now of all people. Because I remember my screen cap had a scarred Roy Chung uh, <laughs> that uh, someone sees in the mirror, you know, one of those uh, brief flash moments, you know, uh, that we see in horror movies. But. Uh, uh, that's Alex Fong, and uh, we're going to talk briefly about uh, two of the Chungs in this movie. Angie Chung, playing the psychologist Ha Wai Yi. And she was born in Malaysia, uh, in the same hometown as Michelle Yeoh, apparently. Uh, competed in the Miss Chinese Malaysia, Miss Chinese International in 92-93. Started to be, appear on TV, had a big hit with a series in 97 called A Kindred Spirit, before teasing, but not yip-teasing. <laughs> And thank God no one yip teased because that would just blow people's heads up. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> but there's only uh, one yip-tease. yeah, only one could do it uh, that way, you know. But she she appeared in essential but not nude roles in in this Rape on Angel Free in Body Weapon that got a lot of UK exposure via early release from Hong Kong Legends. But uh, she unfortunately lived in a documented abusive relationship where she was beaten several times by her by her boyfriend. But uh, has now relocated relocated to Malaysia and hopefully is doing well. And uh, on the other other Chung Pinky, <laughs> as the mentally challenged office assist- assistant Lao Wan Chi, the, the 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 subtitles are not very politically correct because they call her mentally yeah. retarded all throughout the subtitles. But, uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, she studied abroad, also a beauty pageant competitor, and got signed by ATV subsequently. And uh, one of the popular series she was in was something called My Date with a Vampire. Doesn't sound appealing at all, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe she's good in it. But uh, like Angie, she, she appeared in sensual roles such as this, but never stripped, uh, um, but made an impact with viewers. Uh, you know, through her sexiness, uh, she was in part five as well, as we'll as we'll discover. Uh, Billy Chung's solid Paramount Hotel, and also the Viagra comedy Mr. Waigo for Mr. Wong Jing Waigo. and Aman Chang. And uh, these are the two movies where I kind of started to finally remember these two from. I know Pinky was in Devil Touch for Billy Tang, Billy Tang's last movie, and she, yeah, she was looked great in that movie. They, Billy Tang made sure they were shot really great, but. Uh, it was only this movie really where I find it that's Pinky now now I got the image of Pinky in my in my head finally you know and um, that's uh, that's the uh, that's the actors and uh, Rape by an Angel Free Sexual Fantasy of the Chief Executive from 1998 is the movie as we've said and the Chinese title translation the theme we're hitting upon for this series is essentially Rape Free uh, Office Lady Attraction they're not being very clever at this point. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, uh, w- w- what kind of attraction and enticement? Office lady? Yeah, go with that. Okay, that's what we're selling this one as. All right. When, when, when they shot down legal rape, they, uh, I, I guess the mm. air went out of their balloon. That's <laughs> <laughs> rape three? Yeah. Rape three. Jeez. Office lady attraction? Yeah. <laughs> Make it? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, plot taken from my review of the film. Uh, for once, I wrote something of a coherent plot. Uh, 
So I went with my uh, Alex Fong plays the chief executive to be whose stressful life generates very vivid sexual illusions that in turn leads to a rape charge that may wipe out any chance of a political career. However, he is dead sure he hasn't committed such an act, and while the entire investigation doesn't go in his favor, he is given leeway to investigate if someone has orchestrated a scheme to bring him down, or is he a true beast? <laughs> uh, okay, your first brief, uh, brief like or dislike opinion of rape by an angel free sexual fantasy of the chief, chief executive. That's you always need to say the entire title. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> A four hour podcast where <laughs> sexual fantasy of the attraction rape OL because there's an OL in the Chinese title, yeah. <laughs> And, and there's oh, a dialogue, well, and, and yeah, exactly, there's dialogue in the film. Oh, well, what does that mean? Office lady. <laughs> so, a, a they were trying to shorten the title at this yeah. point. Maybe that's what it was. Rape frill, frill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to your first uh, opinion of the film. Uh, this is definitely, definitely a, a point in the series where things start to switch up on us for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're moving away from the nasty beginnings of the series to now it's becoming something, you know, it becomes something a lot different in this movie in particular. The um, ties that I mentioned in part two, they no longer quite apply. We still have, you know, there's someone behind the scenes, but it's not really obvious. You know, this is more of a, like a thriller, more of uh, it takes on the tropes of a lot of, Almost like Cinemax titles, you know, mm-hmm. for North American, you know, you, you know, listeners might, you know, recognize some of this stuff from a lot of the softcore porn movies that they'll find on cable late at night. Uh, basically, you know, it's a little bit of that, you know, almost like a, a slasher type mentality where, you know, who's the, well, not killer, but who's the rapist and, you know, what's going on and you don't really know and yada, yada, yada. So it moves in a lot of, you know, tropes that we're familiar with as an audience, and there's less violence in this title. A lot more sex, though, than in the second film. So it does have that going for it if you're looking for, you know, cheap thrills. So, I mean, it's not, you know, a bad movie. It's probably one of, you know, it has some of the best-looking stuff that the series has had up until this point. You know, it has a lot of really stylishly shot sex scenes in particular. You know, a lot of this stuff looks really good. A lot of nice lighting, a lot of, you know, I mean, it it, it can be very uh, glossy at times. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of the grit and the nastiness of the original, you know, two films are replaced with, you know, sexy uh, Cinemax stuff. Mm. So. We, uh, I actually had that as a discussion point later on, so we'll, we'll save uh, we'll save that, but overall, therefore, is it is it a, uh, it's a, 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 is a genuine like or dislike for it? Yeah, yeah uh, I'll go with dislike. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I didn't hate the movie or anything like that. You know, there are just points in it where I kind of lose interest as a viewer. You know, not mm-hmm. because, oh, they're not raping, but because, you know, I've seen a lot of this stuff before. Mm-hmm. And Alex Fong, you know, his character, he's great in it, but his character kind of doesn't really grab me. You know, this guy kind of is sleepwalking through his life, basically. And mm-hmm. as a viewer, I'm just sitting there sleepwalking through this movie, mm-hmm. you know. 
So uh, we'll stop you right there and continue on on these uh, on these topics uh, as we go mm-hmm. as we go through the review. Uh, I I think it's a solid thriller. I would like to say I don't mind that it's a sanitized mainstream version of the subject ma- matter. I, I like the experimentation. I, I I have plenty of sleaze and grungy rape movies if I want them. You know <laughs> they're, they're there. So uh, and and it's 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 well made as you said. The movie looks excellent. And uh, no genre-defining experience, but solid, fast stuff. And it was a welcome attempt to make him a nasty... You know, the, I take that back. The, the, the attempt isn't really there compared to 2 to make the nasty felt. But they they, they try they try with the 2B rating to push a little bit, you know. But they, they, they want to, to classy it up a little bit. Uh, that's, uh, that's definitely a point. Uh, before we go on, uh, uh, f- first of all, because this movie has more of a political feel, obviously, and uh, listeners, including me, well, I'm not a listener, well, I will be the listener, actually, uh, might not know what the chief executive position in Hong Kong is. Um, I-, I had to look it up because politics, uh, I-, I can't absorb pol- political information as such. So I took this from Wikipedia. The chief executive of Hong Kong is the president of the executive council of Hong Kong and head of the government of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region. The position was created to replace the governor of Hong Kong, who was the head of Hong Kong government during British rule. So this is a 97 and onwards kind of position. And uh, also brief mention of the writer, actually, I wanted to get in there. Uh, Logan Fai. Willingly or not, you know, law pen script for several of the poster boys of Category 3 cinema of the 90s, including Dr. Lam, The Anton Story, Twist, Danny Lee movie, and the Anton story too, and 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 this. So, uh, you know, you might be a writer for hire, of course, and you uh, and you, and you take whatever job there is. But the Logan Fire uh, script is some of the harsh stuff out there. You know, Doctor Lam mm-hmm. and uh, Anton story being truly being poster boys for all of this. So, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, the, the 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 movie again structures itself uh, in terms of the opening. Uh, that they, it sets up. Um, not a character this time, but uh, it talks of you know the definition of rape. If we didn't mm-hmm. know how males have it in their nature to yeah. they they have there are beasts in their you know beastly instincts that are in yeah. need to be controlled, and uh, you know it's a it's a, it's it's pro I, I, not that I take offense or anything. <laughs> you know, it's a it, I'm, I'm not saying it's true or not true, but it, it's interesting. It's interesting, like, uh, you know, hello, men, let's condemn you. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's obviously not a movie for females only, you know. Right. And uh, essentially the sole really explicit stuff happens again at the opening with with the sex Mm. and steam. But I think it's one of the best, best sequences in the film because there there is a... Uh, is um, is a sex scene here, not not a rape, but uh, the in flickering light is at the end of it, uh, in the middle of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. There is a spooky reveal of the murderer in the same mosque as in Rape by an Angel Two, yep. and and then I, I'm forgetting the details now. Either she was uh, force fed like a baton or a flashlight in her mouth. Flashlight, I think. Yeah. It's and, a huge flashlight, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, and presumably you know um, uh, dies uh, if I'm not mistaken here, or if not, uh, she was you know incredibly harshly raped. Uh, it's yeah, a, just harshly raped. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty not. I, I like this reveal. You know, spooky mm-hmm. reveals in horror movies and thrillers. You know, everybody has done all throughout the ages. But you know, Aman Chang really like what woo because that mask is so white and so f- uh, lacking in features that it's mm-hmm. it's pretty scary to see someone just appear out of frame. But they don't do it in the kind of, um, you know, jarring sounds on the soundtrack kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a character moving out of, uh, you know, out of frame or out of that point in the frame. And there's the rapist. Uh, and and that, he, he has the sole nudity of the film. I think there's no other nudity besides um, besides this opening. Is there really not? I might have forgotten it uh, because none of the uh, again, Angie or Pinky doesn't do uh, don't do nudity, but it might be some somewhere, but uh, lesser definitely than in two. Yeah, uh, it does start off with some you know pretty good stuff though <laughs> for sure. You know, you got simulated oral sex, doggy style. It's uh, it's a very um, yeah, it's a very detailed sex scene for mm. sure. And, and and again, I mean, there's it it, it 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 can be different from movie to movie. But I like in the case of these two movies that we we, we get stuff off the bat. You know, here mm-hmm. is you know uh, we we know we we know what kind of movie we're making. You know, and if you're a late movie goer, you missed. It. And uh, and and then then there's a threat, but thankfully it never comes true. Of the movie really turning great thing in terms of comedy because Simon Lloyd's quirky cop enters and here's a sequence I'm sure Wong Jing was in on. Uh, he starts to interrogate um, uh, uh, the crime victim, yes. and, uh, and, uh, and and before he does that, he says something that is really like, uh, what is it he said? Like, uh, you know, it's less hassle being a rapist than a cop. <laughs> but but he but he doesn't say it like that he wants to. It's just like they can, you know. Now we have an investigation on our hands. You know. Now we have hassle, and yeah. uh, and he starts like uh, interrogating her and uh, and uh, what is it he says? Like he suspects the rapist is blind because he raped someone ugly, <laughs> but it yes. turns out it's the mother that's sitting there crying. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> nice. I wrote down his entire. Uh little speech yeah the, go, ahead. <laughs> go talk ahead that he gave uh i know how you feel now a man entered your private part with his most disgusting part of body <laughs> he didn't ask you for your consent you got no you got not happiness afterwards this is really sad but don't worry i'm someone who can understand others if someone splashes his mucus of his nose on me <laughs> i'll cry too he really hurt you so much but don't worry i'm a policeman for the sake of righteous. <laughs> Followed by, of course, he discovers that the woman is ugly or what have you, and uh, the, I suspect that he must be blind. <laughs> that whole the whole bit, yeah, I just really love that. I love that character. I mean, it, it, he's ridiculous and over the top, but I think the movie needed something like him to kind of uh, pop in every now and then. And obsessed by porn and and just all out there, just a quirky cop and uh, it's the Simon Lloyd plays. And but but I, I like the character as the movie goes on because uh, it turns out without spoiling anything. Now you know what? Uh, eventually we need to spoil the entire ending of the movie because uh, that that you gotta discuss. So we'll, we 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 say it right now. Spoilers for everything that comes after this, I guess. Uh, but uh, you know, eventually porn aids 
the investigation. Uh, you know, he's uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it aids having a laptop with him uh, at all times. You know, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, Simon is, and I mean, I don't have biographic information on him, but he was such a workhorse for better or worse. He was in tons of movies for a while. You know, between between the end of nineties and onwards. You no, know, Simon Lowe. Hey, here I am again. I am him. I am here again. I am here again. I am here again. I am here again. But for because of so many movies being done, uh, no main roles or not, he, he did do some solid work occasionally. I remember him in Herman Yao's Killing End, he had a pretty great dramatic uh, supporting role as a kind of tormented cop. And um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try and see if there is any, anything else that, isn't memorable, that is memorable because the goddamn filmography is so big. I know there's... Uh, there's some more stuff that is. Uh, he did some movie called Royal Sperm. I haven't seen it, but uh, there, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so, but 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 Simon is he 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 was a constant presence for a while, and uh, and not one that I was annoyed by or anything. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of overload as well. At point, you know, you're not Simon yet. <laughs> you you don't have that hidden in you necessarily. So. Mm-hmm. Do, do 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 you know anything about Simon or have any impression having seen a Hong Kong movie? I've or five? seen yeah, I've seen him in bit things before, but no, this is this is definitely one that stood out. I believe you know, just he he kind of pops in at all the right moments in the film. You know, I think he uh, a lot of times a character like this can be like really over the top and just annoying, but yeah. I kind of found him to be kind of a relief. You know. Simon's technique has been this kind of dry technique, plain and more mm-hmm. dry, because he 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 can look very straight, but still have that hidden in him that this yeah. is a goofy character. But he's never been very exaggerated, at least in terms of uh, I, I don't have that permanent memory of him that is. So, oh my God, he it's not like yeah. Eric Cotman fire fi anything who is like really loud too. Right. So. Um, Yes, I, I don't dislike Simon as such, but he was very active during a, a, a downslide in Hong Kong cinema, which I guess is a good thing that someone is out there, you know, providing, uh, you know, offering work, you know what I mean, <laughs> and um, uh, offering himself to to be to be in movies. And I'm, I'm I'm sure he didn't get rich making, you know, 100 movies or whatever. Uh, he he was in Paramount Montel as well. I remember that was a good leading role for him, and uh, he directed. Uh, Escape from Hong Kong Island in 2004, which was an amusing uh, little comedy with uh, Jordan Chan, I remember. And apparently directed a movie that I've not seen called Tigers is Going to Marry. That was a People's Republic of China uh, uh, movie. So so he's out there. Not not something... Not slated for, you know, Hong Kong Cinema Hall of Fame or anything, Mm -hmm. but uh, I don't mind him. Uh, He's good in... If someone is good in, like, three or four movies throughout their careers, you know, really good. I I, 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 I give them, you know, a pat on the back, thumbs up, you know. People dream of, you know, being good in movies. (laughs) At least once, director, actor, you know, or regardless of who's... which country cinema we're dealing with here, so... So, so good on you, Simon. And I do like him in this role. Uh, it, 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 despite him flirting very, very much with the grating side, but uh, mm-hmm. in this first scene, I mean, thanks, Wong Jing, classy. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but it's, it, it is funny. It absolutely yeah. is funny. But, oh, my bad. <laughs> let's follow up that woman being, you know, molested with a flashlight in her mouth to mm-hmm. let's, to this. Let's go. Uh, the, the, 
the, the the typical Hong Kong thing would have been right. like uh, five six years earlier that they would have had a whole like five six uh, g- cop characters like mm-hmm. that you know yeah. coming in like <laughs> being completely retarded essentially you know <laughs> you know w- watch a movie like Hello Who Is It which is a dark ass like ghost horror comedy mm-hmm. and the com- comedic element aside from louching one. Who plays the cop? The cops, cops around him are just goofballs, you know. Times, what have you? You know, they're really <laughs> exaggerated, and uh, it, it's tough to take. I don't mind it. I, I, I find it hard to be angry about yeah. much stuff in my life currently. If he, were, if he would have done the whole cross-eyed thing and what yeah. have you, and just really taken it over the top, yeah, it would have just been unbearable. Yeah, but exactly. Um, what Hong Kong cinema possibly has not done well throughout the years, and I'm, I'm, and I'm sure it can be argued that they do, don't do do it well here, although I don't mind it, is the portrayal of um, the mentally handicapped. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I guess it's fine in this movie, but uh, not necessarily in the subtitles if you are one of those persons who likes things politically correct. Because as mm-hmm. we said, Pinky Chung's character is referred each and every time to be mentally retarded. Right, uh, which I'm sure is not at, at some point. If I'm going, I'm going to take a leap here. You know, just turned into a bad thing to say. You know, uh, you know, it definitely is nowadays. But uh, mm-hmm. so, but Hong Kong cinema has never really minded uh, itself in terms of being PC or category free movies. Definitely not Wong Jing movies. Definitely not. Uh, but uh, what do you think of Pinky in this movie? Uh, despite. I, I was like so confused <laughs> at times because you know they had the characters like referring to her as retarded or what have you, and I was like, oh, she is. Wait, or are they just calling her dumb? You know, but yeah. I mean, no, the first actually... sequence is her like uh, uh, being very neat and tidy, like she has some OCD, right. uh, some OCD of some kind, and uh, on the way to work, she's one of the assistants in the um, in the office of the chief executive and the part of the and becomes part of the campaign. You know. Right. This isn't, you know, which uh, this might be offensive too. I hope not. But uh, you know, this isn't what's eating Gilbert Grape. You know, mm-hmm. it, this isn't that type of a performance. You know, so it becomes kind of, you know, for them to sit there and like uh, refer to her consistently as that. You know, I, I don't know what she, she's, she's a bit. She's slightly on the uh, on the ch- uh, slightly on a child level but not mm-hmm. as much as in uh, Red to Kill for instance right uh, right and that that was like a more believable like perform like you got that you know when you watched you know Red to Kill you got that the young girl was you know off or what have you and and this you get it eventually you know or whatever but it took me a little bit a couple of different scenes to kind of piece it together like yeah. oh she's really yeah okay it seems yeah. like if she focus a lot then she can do the job you know that if she really concentrates you right. know, she takes phone calls and and uh, and gathers opinions you know right. so so but in other scenes she is like really uh, she has to have it explained to her you know the context of for, for instance her brother gives her uh, mace, I believe, or or uh, or a uh, or a taser, mm-hmm. and uh, and she doesn't understand like the context uh, fully because he says like whenever men approach you, horny men approach you, you use this. Uh, whenever whenever men are near you, essentially, and that leads to a comedic sequence because she zaps Simon Lloyd's character, <laughs> yeah. uh, but but she doesn't understand the full context. There, so I I don't know if they're dealing with uh, some kind of um, Asperger's or ADHD. 
Um, it's just a dingbat, you know. I don't know. <laughs> you know but. but 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 having said all that, uh, do you have any have any notes about Pinky in this movie? Um, that she's the most attractive girl with these type of problems that I've ever seen. Maybe she looks like a supermodel in her role, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, she's absolutely gorgeous, and you know, also just I think she's good in the movie. I think you know, eventually. You know, certain scenes she's better than others, but she does eventually kind of sell it. And I think uh, her turn towards the end and her white bra is definitely one of those moments that sticks out from any film. You know, mm-hmm. the the picture you posted on the uh, podcast on Fire group, you know, kind of. Yeah, well, uh, white bra with blood on her and exactly. with a knife, uh, knife in her hand. It's one of those things that's like, ah, oh, that should be on the that should be the front of the friggin' DVD cover. That should that should be on the at least on the back. It's like a a great moment, you know. And uh, yeah, we'll that... uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll get some details in uh, a little bit later on about the, the context towards the ending and all of that. Uh, uh, it was not a given thing in 1998. Uh, um to shoot uh, to shoot movies in sync sound but this is mostly sync sound so it's a step up too it's well shot and they shoot mostly in sync sound as well which is always mm-hmm. gives a more real feel obviously yeah. so so I appreciated that and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, one thing that it does and I don't know if this is controversial in Hong Kong or not but you know mixing exploitation and politics is not necessarily mm. the most fluid smooth mix that you can do without uh, without people like going, uh, without people rising their eye- eyebrows, because it it certainly mm-hmm. is a mix that they sh- you know should uh, should take notice of. And uh, but 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 having said that, did, despite button, buttons being pushed here, it, it's so little compared to what Wong Jing has done before. So, you know, <laughs> you know the title alone is probably the most controversial, and then then it is a, a thriller with. Uh, with a procedural, a mystery attached to it, it's right. not a, you know, a rape fest mixed in yeah. with uh, an election uh, plot or anything. Right. I had no idea what the chief executive office was. I just kind of assumed it was a business-related thing, like he was the head of a or uh, vying for the position of the head of a corporation or something like that. So, you know, no, it's essentially it, the governor of Hong Kong. I know, right? Yeah, well, now I know that, but it's like while watching it, you know, it basically was like inconsequential to me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, this guy trying to get this thing going, which, I mean, looking at it now, it's like this dude's involved in all this stuff related to rape and everything like that. It's like, oh, yeah, he should have been completely and utterly out of the running at that point, you know? Yeah, and, like, and it's uh, done uh, in uh, public as well because uh, right. his uh, arrest is made public so everyone knows about it. And uh, and they're, they're presumably at uh, sort of a latter stage of the election process too. So opinion uh, of, and polls and uh, public opinion matters. A whole lot, you know, and uh, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it's it's. I don't, I I don't find it com- uh, uncomfortable. The only thing I found uncomfortable was actually the scene, the rally, if you will, that Alex Fong turns up to, where he uses the innocent as political leverage. He brings in Pinky's character and shows mm-hmm. like, I have her as assistant in my office, yeah, and she and you know, she can't comprehend what he's doing. You know, I, I think that is. Out of all things, that is what I react to. Was I thought that was pretty disgusting yeah. to to make a part of that, you know, and then, then raise her hand together with his wife, you know, Viva la us. <laughs> yeah. 
We did it! Yay! And, uh, and uh, yeah, so that that was possibly a little comment injected there, but, uh, you know, the uh, manipulation that politicians, uh, the lengths mm-hmm. that uh, they go to to mani- manipulate the situation. One thing that's kind of rare in Hong Kong is, maybe not so much now, is but back then was um, straight thrillers. Mm. You know, they, when they did do it, they kind of injected a stuff that wasn't belonging in there. This is one of the rare cases where it's mostly a straight mm-hmm. a straight thriller, which I, I I appreciated. And on Alex Fong's character, you, you thought it was a little bit, you know, off for you and uh, all mm-hmm. that. I, I thought he was okay in the role. He, yeah. Yeah, he has charisma and there's solid development about his stress uh, in this whole situation. And, uh, yeah. and all of that doesn't overly... You know, signpost or show any signals about coming plot development. You know, the mystery, if you will, is okay. I think it's a solid mm-hmm. mystery, even though. And here's like where probably you and I potentially are different movie viewers, but the movie really goes into you know quite outrageous directions that might not be realistic. For instance, that Pinky's character is actually hypnotized over the phone via via sound uh, via sounds like sounds like mm-hmm. fax machine sounds and and regardless if it's realistic or not uh, it is outrageous and some viewers might be turned off by that and taken mm-hmm. out of the movie when it goes far-fetched routes. I personally, at least in this uh, in this movie, I I go with it. I I, I don't mind. Yeah. I I, I, tu- I turn myself off really because I can't say what is realistic or not you know unless i really know about something right. you know, and is an expert on, on something yeah so. no i'm kind of with you on that i mean that part of you know the thing uh the film didn't really bother me you know the uh which i mean we're kind of heading into the spoiler territory now so if you mm-hmm. don't want spoil you know if you don't want spoilers for rape by an angel three sexual fantasy of the chief executive then you know skip forward or something but uh yeah, the whole uh, hypnotism thing didn't really bother me. It's a device, you know. It's been used before, you know. I'm okay with it, you know, especially... At least, I think, with the pinky thing, I think that kind of at least worked a little bit, that uh, it's different. I like yeah. that about it, the the fact that, you know, oh, I can't hypnotize her because she's kind of slow or what have you, so I'm, I have to devise this technological way to do it you know mm. I, I think that stuff actually kind of worked um well, even it's the, not it, it's not like hawaii the character builds like a huge you know frankenstein like <laughs> contraption or anything you no. know she she sneakily injects her with uh, uh with some substance and then plays her that uh, right that uh, that that thing it's it's, it's kind of like you know i, I draw i i, I I thought of Naked Gun for for reason. You know, oh, that, I was gonna say it. I was gonna say. You it. know the way they snap into like uh, yeah. I must. I must but, but they Frank do, <laughs> But but they don't have that you know that type of dialogue. But it is what yeah. happens kind of quickly mm-hmm. towards the end when when Pinky is in her bra and starts oh, going uh, ki- killing uh, tries to um, kill Simon Lloyd. She she is like via phone call like immediately programmed mm-hmm. and hypnotized. You know. Yeah, there's, there's some, like, deus ex machina stuff in, at work in this finale, you know. But, you know, I think that the movie kind of establishes kind of a certain type of atmosphere throughout the film that this stuff doesn't, to me, seem, you know, 
all that outrageous, you know, no. like, uh, you know, oh, what, you know, it's, oh, yeah, she, she just happened, not happened, she just happened to not tell anybody about this going for 10 minutes on the elevator with the psychologist, you know, or whatever, and, yeah. oh, this is all now coming to front, you know, well, I mean. I think movies are meant to be that way, that you shouldn't mm-hmm. really, uh, uh, huh. you, you, you should be able to turn off your radar. Right. Uh, because if you, if you don't have your radar turned off, then who, who knows what it will react to next right. you know the levels are kind of elevated you know and 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 you take your enjoyment out of it I think. like if i'm gonna give it credit and the fact you know i mean there are certain things that you know as soon as the uh, psychologist was basically like when she refused to go along with alex fong's uh what do you call it alibi mm-hmm. at that point in the film i kind of okay well she's gonna be the villain you know but I think that the film's at least it is clever enough in the fact that the between the pinky stuff and the hypnotism thing, the way all that kind of unravels kind of quickly near the end of the film, I think that that stuff's kind of it's intelligent enough and it's clever enough that you wouldn't be able to guess kind of the ways that she does these things, and I think that stuff those reveals kind of work. Yeah, 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 like the explanation of the illusions that are actually are mm. staged for real. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of them are just, you know, mental things, but a couple of them are actual. She paid people to show up naked and mm. stuff like that. <laughs> and that's the connection to Simon Loy actually enjoying porn because he recognizes one of the girls from his porn mm. videos as uh, w- one of the girls that, um, <laughs> that, that turns up at one of these, uh, these events, you know. <laughs> you know, so watching porn is good for your kids. <laughs> He's an incredible detective. His detective <laughs> researching skills are amazing. Yeah. And he, I, I love how, how, how he loves you know, showing off porn to like his partner, you know, <laughs> coming there with his computer. I gotta show you this, man. <laughs> <laughs> he just shows up at his house. And, and that's all. And, and then like Pinky is there as well. And he watches porn in the same room with her while right. she watches TV. He's like, yeah, I'm, he, he, you know, he, he's going to get some enjoyment out of that despite, you know. <laughs> Because he, yeah, he's got to watch it. <laughs> right, he has to. He's detective work, you know. He's got to keep up to date with all the latest porn stars, just in yeah. case one of them crosses his uh, desk or something. Mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now I, I agree. I, I didn't uh, at all like uh, mind the reveals. I didn't think they were far fetched. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that, that kind of makes sense. And I'm, I'm, right. I may, I may be dumb, but I'm, I am who I am too. And I found it like, yeah, it's a pretty acceptable. And it's not like gasp inducing or anything, you know. But uh, it's, uh, it's fine. And it, you know, when you come to to the end, you you start to think more about, is it okay? And it, right. it might it, it might sound stupid, but is it okay to feature a cleaned up version of the subject matter, you know, mm-hmm. politics and race? And I think so because it, it would be crazy to demand that this kind of plot can only be trade in the harshest way. You know, you they don't sanitize it to a PG thirteen level or anything like that. It's still you know an R rated movie, if you will, or in the UK a fifteen eighteen movie, and uh, so. It up, it's up to each filmmaker, and I welcome experimentation because God knows there's enough uh, rape scenes in Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> you know, and even Wong Jing uh, might feel, uh, no, let, let, let's try and class it up a bit, can we? And if we can't, then we'll move on to the, uh, to the next movie. You know? And they did. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then he felt like, I gotta go all out with it because the next movie, as you know, is called Rape by an Angel for the Rapists Union. <laughs> you know? Classic title. <laughs> you know, shit's on now. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, you know, and, and who says you can't achieve uh, 
Steam despite not having lo- lots of nudity. I mean, you you said that you know there is more sex, but uh, and, and there, are, there are longer sex scenes, but all of them are clothed uh, with yeah, uh, yeah, with, that's, with that's Throws me off, yeah. Hmm. So uh, you know, it's a it's an attempt, but uh, in all honesty, you know the whole the whole long sex scene with um, Alex Fong and Angie Chung, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it, you know. <laughs> Some things have to come off, though, yeah. <laughs> realistically. But you know what? They were dealing with the rating they were dealing with. I wasn't like offended that I wasn't getting nudity or anything. But you were realizing that they are clearly. This is not a cut down version of a category three mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> clearly yeah. not. So, uh, but uh, uh, looks fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't mind. There are not many movies of this kind when dealing with exploitation to some to some extent yeah especially not from Wong Jing at this time and especially not in Rape by an Angel up to this, up to this point so experiment away you know Hong Kong yeah. Cinema was a producing juggernaut <laughs> you know even at this time uh, even during its crisis you know they just had to produce and produce and produce mm-hmm. um, so um, that, that's you know that's pretty much me on Rape by Angel 3 the, yeah, well 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 the, the, the huge spoiler thing uh, did you think the absolute ending made sense when it's revealed that Alex Fong is is actually a beast a, a rapist and molester but not for this case <laughs> yeah I don't that caught me off so off guard <laughs> I was just like uh, I wasn't entirely sure if I understood it I'm like wait so huh you know, it, it just he, seemed he did it all, on. not that one, though. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just it seemed kind of tacked on for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Wong, Wong Jing has done it uh, many times. Uh, mm-hmm. At a stupid twist at the end, this was not one of the most stupid ones, but uh, it, it's kind of like, uh, okay, you're, you're you're just doing it to get a reaction out of the audience yeah. now. Uh, absolutely. Uh, they fucking reveal it in the trailer as well. Well, the, <laughs> well, well, the shot where Alex Fong is uh, putting on the glove, but yeah. there is a shot for the trailer where where it's revealed Alex Fong is behind the mask. You know, he slowly takes the mask to the side, and it's him. And and that and that that's certainly not rare in Hong Kong trailers to you know reveal everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, whatever. It's a it's a it's a I, I would rewatch it if I was on a Rape by an Angel tear, but maybe not every tear, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because you can't skip movies in the in the series, obviously. Yeah, they're not connected. Mm. But but the least favorite one, definitely for uh, for me. Uh, so um, yeah, because uh, it, it it is kind of more pleasurable when they go for it, though. You know, I can't mm-hmm. deny it. You know, I oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. You know, l- l- you know, looking at two, I was kind of like giddy, like oh my god, they're not doing this, but wow, thank you for doing this. This is. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> like I like I said, you know, aside towards not liking, but it, it's not a bad film, you know. I mean, no, it's no. not by in, in, as far as like my rating or anything like that. I'm not going to say it's a terrible movie. It's just that I've seen a lot of stuff like this before, mm-hmm. you know. Especially being a teenage boy growing up with Cinemax, you know, Friday nights. What was it? Friday after dark. I mean, <laughs> you see a lot of these type of, uh, you know sexual thrillers and stuff like that so you know it's kind of like familiar territory yeah you know even though this wasn't uh, shown on that channel but let's just say basic instinct it is not that was my right right yeah (laughs) low rent basic instinct you know but they they did what they could so right 
Uh, all right. Next time, in terms of the coverage here, I mean, we're doing tidal wave theory in between and all of that. So, but next time we'll continue with uh, this coverage and do them in pairs. So next time it is rape by an angel for the rapists union with Wong Jing in the directing chair, oh, and yeah. uh, this is uh, this is uh, if my memory is correct, really something uh, politically incorrect. Uh, <laughs> At points and a lot, and uh, still working with the 2B rating. And uh, Athena 2 is back. So it's a sequel to The Uniform Fan. Uh, you know, it, it works on its own, but uh, it, it is a sequel. Uh, Joe Ma's character is back, but it's not Joe Ma playing it. And if I, my memory is not incorrect, uh, I think Jared said this, King Who said this, that uh, Dr. Lamb is in this movie. So, so the Rapists Union is Dr. Lamb, Philip Wong. Um, and 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 Ben Um is the villain that gathers them. It's not Ben Um from uh, from Red to Kill uh, the character <laughs> because he died. But uh, I hope that memory is correct because that's crazy. <laughs> uh, but we'll be looking at that and also the final one, Rape by an Angel Five: The Final Judgment. One of the few movies in horror movies, if you will, that when they used final, they they meant it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's directed by Red to Kills and Dr. Lamb's Billy Tang. Still category yes. 2B. But also, we will, we will, at the best of our abilities, do a bonus boner episode on the second Rape and Angel Fighter shot on video and isn't subtitled. But at least it's surely category 3 again, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give it its due and then bury it again, I guess. Because it probably deserves to be buried. I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> So that's uh, that, that'll be fun. Uh, w- one movie that Dr. Lamb did appear in for funny purposes uh, uh, outside of Dr. Lamb, which mm-hmm. wasn't funny, is um, uh, The Underground Banker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's fucking released from prison and moves in next door to Anthony Wong's character. And, yeah. and when all is said and done, uh, Dr. Lamb is kind of a hero. He helps uh, Anthony Wong in battles, the loan sharks. I think it is a. <laughs> and uh, Lawrence mm, from Sex and Zen plays Dr. Lamb and he's fantastic in that <laughs> underground banker we, we, we gotta do that for the show because it's absolutely wrong and, and, and it's Wong Jing behind that again genius genius uh, Dr. Lamb is a hero and it's absolutely insulting <laughs> You know, oh, because yeah, the, the because the, the, Doctor Lamb is based on a real fucking thing. <laughs> you know that we're gonna make this a fun character, an audience sympathetic kind of character. You know, they're gonna love it. <laughs> Yipes, Wong Jing. Yipes. But uh, bless you, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're gonna round this off with some quick contact information. This has been this week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire Network website for this and all the other shows, podcastonfire.com. Email podcastonfire at googlemail.com. The message forum for those that have registered before is available, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. We have the members only archive there. We have the bonus episode archive, slowly turning into an archive on the main site. And we also have our page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF network. And you can also join the discussion going on in the Podcast on Fire Network discussion group. You just search Podcast on Fire Network, ask to be added, and we'll add you gladly. And also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Podcast on Fire. And follow my uh, reviews of uh, Varied, Varied Kind at SoGoodReviews.com and my video reviews at SleazyKVideo.com. And follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. 
The Podcast on Fire Network shows are available on iTunes, and you can rate that if you like the show. You can leave us a comment if you like as well, and uh, you should also visit uh, stitchy.com so you, if you want to stream all those podcasts. Uh, you can download that to your computer or to your smartphone, and when you're in Stitcher, just type in Podcast on Fire Network, and you can add each show individually. And also check out Brian Kirby's t-shirt store at shelflifeclothing.com. And uh, you go ahead and plug your stuff. Veridcelluloid.net, the one and only website for Josh Regola. And also... Uh, <laughs> Is that what it says in the, in the banner? That's what it says, yes, up at the very top. You know, you gotta... Uh, you, but you have to read... <laughs> my parents are dead! Read my reviews! <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> Joshua Regola. Anyway... Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that and vcinemashow.com for the vcinema show podcast. Also, they have tons of reviews on there from very cool people. So make sure to read, make sure to watch, make sure to read, listen, whatever. It's all good. Multimedia, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Right on. Well, we are done. Let's put this one away for now, and we'll see you next time on This Week in Sleep. So... Uh, Ben Wari hosts Lisa K and with me was the great Lord Joshua Rigo. So say bye in whatever way you like. Goodbye, good day, sirs. We will catch you next time. That's for you, Dan Ernie. <laughs>